outside of India and welcome to Machan Visit the World podcast. I've been lucky enough to be studying at a university in Moscow with students from across the world. I want to use this opportunity to learn more about the different peoples through their stories. Join me on this journey across the world through stories told by the people that have lived them. With me, you're Machan. That means bro in South Indian languages. I hope you learned something new with me today. Hello everybody. I'm so happy this is the 10th episode of Machan vs the World podcast and it's I've been having so much fun over the past almost one and a half months doing this and today we are back to Africa and we have with us two really cool people from Uganda. I want to introduce Brian and Hilda. Guys, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. And um I want to introduce Hilda first. Hilda is a student of civil engineering, master student. She's been in Russia for 7 years, which makes her a veteran of Russia and uh, our university Rudin. So Hilda, how has it been 7 years in Russia? Oh, it's been very interesting. Mm-hmm. I think the past 7 years have been um epic. epic. I have grown as a person. Okay. And I'm very happy to be with you today. Oh, thank you yeah. so much. <laughs> and we have Brian Brian is a PhD in international relations i wanted someone in international relations for this podcast cuz all my questions kind of somehow lead there and i'm so happy that i have Brian with us so Brian how's it been uh it's been good uh, the time that i've been here i've really quite long how long have you been uh 5 years 5 years yeah, god masters and now phd oh god so i've enjoyed my time here and i've been looking forward to this interview so thank you very much you're welcome yeah. and it's my pleasure to to talk yeah. to you guys so let's start about being in russia for so long man 5 years is a long time i've been here what almost i haven't completed 2 years yet and i kind of feel like fundamentally as a person my constitution has changed and what do you guys think what did russia do to you in 5 and 7 years I think um i came here straight out of high school and i didn't know so many things about the world and i've come to experience adulthood the journey from being a young girl to adulthood has been here in russia in a very diverse um society so i think it has taught me a lot of um i'll say principles and different outlooks towards life and towards people mm-hmm. as an individual compared to if i had um experienced this back at home so what happens when you do go back home and your upbringing or this transition into adulthood and let's say for example you have sisters i believe yes i do and their transition how does this contrast or how does this conflict when you go back home um i think that well first of all my sister i do have one sister she also had a chance to study um abroad mm-hmm. but my elder brother didn't mm-hmm. he studied in uganda okay so definitely when we meet up and we have conversations um there are a few differences some of them their outlook towards things and experiences is a bit um can i say more conservative okay and i have i have grown to be more as um acceptive of different things right yes not and, that it's a bad thing and you attribute that to your education in russia um not just the education but my interactions here mm. yeah okay. with different students right what about you bro well uh to start with i my my being here has sort of uh, helped me learn how to deal with different cultures I've, i mean here you have sort of like a mini united nations yeah <laughs> so you have people from different places and in that you're able to interact with uh, 
with all these cultures and you're able to understand what is important for them and uh, know how they act and yeah and that sort of helps you in as far as dealing with people from different cultures is concerned right yeah because i remember like my first roommate was from uh sit kyrgyzstan kyrgyzstan yes yeah and then the other from afghanistan okay and then cape verde cape verde yes isn't that that portuguese speaking african mm-hmm. yes, country yes yeah. yes, yes. Mm-hmm. so now now madagascar so Go different people yeah you got you got to remain from madagascar <laughs> yeah. dude i want madagascar in this podcast <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think i should i yeah, yeah tell him yeah, about yeah. it yeah mm-hmm. but anyway all that has helped me mm-hmm. and different and it's very important for my course so can i ask you if yeah. you're an international student mm. and you actually want to interact with international students yeah. would you would you put ruden rusk university drushpinarod as one of the most vibrant places in the world for that because we have so many people from countries which you wouldn't usually expect to be studying in a foreign university mm-hmm. because of the russian government's yes. scholarships and stuff like that what, what how would that environment how would you contrast that rudan environment with other universities in I, africa and in europe yeah yeah i think strictly for my course i don't know about what others bring their departments mm-hmm. but i think for international relations it's actually a, a key area mm-hmm. if you want to to learn more in the area of international relations this university would be the best for you in this way you're able to when you're in class remember you have a student from syria you have a student from nigeria you have a student from kenya vietnam cuba italy and the ones i'm mentioning are actually the ones that i studied with All right so when you're talking about some one subject people are able to bring to talk about it based on their insights Right. So you don't have one opinion that dominates. Right. You have all these opinions that are brought in and that helps you, that trains you for your future career. Mm. Because imagine if you're for example in the UN, you will not have to you don't have to present idea one idea or you don't have to look at a problem from just one perspective. Right. You need to put into you need to bear in mind um other people's insights and then help and that would help you. in as far as decision making is concerned so that helps you when you're able to interact with people from all these places it actually helps you and trains you better especially in the field of international relations right yeah so and those interactions in class actually helped me a lot and do you believe that all those people were able to transcend the communication gap all of them were able to learn russian to such an extent where they were able to convey all these complex thoughts to mm-hmm. a group of people from all over the world What do you think about that? Uh fortunately or unfortunately I was doing uh English media. Ah okay. So all of them were able to speak English. That's we good. Never... <laughs> <laughs> well we had the Russian class but you know we were not as active because everything mm. that we were doing was in English. So ah, yeah. That makes life life a little bit easier. Yeah. yeah. Right. So that, I mean the language of communication was uh um, English. English, yes. But I believe for you it was Russian. Well, I did my bachelor's um completely in Russian language. Mm-hmm. So for the past for the first five years, well, the first year was spent studying Russian language and then mm-hmm. the next four years I was studying in Russian medium. Mm. And then I decided to change um the university and come to Rodin because Where did you come from? I came from um, Moscow State University of Civil Engineering in Kosovo. Mm. It's still in Moscow but in the north. Okay. And then I switched to Rodin because I wanted to do my masters in English. 
Ah, okay. Yes. So um, I had to go through the hurdles of studying in Russian language. Yeah, I'm um, going through that at the moment. <laughs> I'm very much familiar with that. I understand what you're going through. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you do. Yeah. I don't think the Russians do. They're like, what is, what's wrong with this guy? <laughs> but we know what the pain is. They, they, they get to understand it when um, they go to other universities outside Europe. And they have oh, yeah. to study in English. Oh, yeah. And then they'll tell you the tales of how it's a big struggle. And I told them, I know. I know, I know. bro. <laughs> I went through that. I Been survived. there, done that. Yeah. <laughs> I think I can also relate with what you people are talking about. You know, we have we had to do the preparatory faculty. Oh, you guys had to do that too? Yes, yes. Oh. It's scholarship. It's uh, ah, yeah, mandatory. Yeah. Yes, yes. So that time, I don't think I've ever had a lot of... I don't think I've ever had a difficult time in school. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mean you were always a good student academically? Well, I wouldn't say. That. <laughs> <laughs> what are you trying but, to but say? I, I feel like during the preparatory faculty, yeah. I felt I was going back to the basics. Yeah, starting you know, from pronunciation, yeah, yes, pronoun- mm. letters, and I was on pressure because they told us if you don't pass, huh. you immediately go back home. Oh, now, that's never, so done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that time was but, more but, work. How, stress. how did it feel to start from zero? Like, when you like, usually people are our age, we don't usually have to start from zero. There's this phase where you are a complete idiot yeah, yeah. in a new skill that you're exactly. trying to learn. Most people are afraid of that. People are kind yeah. of apprehensive. But how did you guys feel going through that phase where you didn't know the language and everyone else kind of automatically did? Yeah. And that kind of made you feel like, you know, kind of inferior and what's wrong with me kind of way. But still, you had to learn. Yeah, yeah. How do you guys feel about that? Um, initially, um, um, when I came and started learning Russian language, first of all, you do feel like an idiot mm-hmm. because these are things that seem to be elementary, yeah. but you can't get a full grasp on, on them. And then after PATFAC, well, that's the preparatory course. Preparatory faculty. After the preparatory course, you start first year and teachers um, automatically assume that since you can't speak, you're not that smart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they judge they judge your intelligence by your ability to speak. True. Um, sometimes you read material, you understand it a hundred percent, but you can't really express it express, in Russian. Yeah, your ideas. Yes. I'm still can. struggling with that. And if you cannot um, show somebody that you know through what you say, they mm. think that you're stupid. Mm. So it had to take a lot of effort. You use the few scattered words you know, and you're like, you throw <laughs> one big word, and then they probably have to figure out what you're trying to mean. Um, and then um, with time, I believe in my case, by the time I reached my second year, I was very confident mm. in my language skills, well, technically, mm. the technical language, so I could sit and defend my work if I have to. Right. Yes. But in the beginning, I think my classmates thought that I was the most stupid person in the class oh, because they Jesus. could ask you something as simple as maybe, let's say, for, for example, two plus two. But I, if you don't know what that is in Russian, what? you can't get... Dude, honestly, yeah. even, I, even I, I'm thinking how to say that. Dua, daponit, dua, ravno, chetir. Almost. Almost. Yeah, plus is plus. Oh, is, oh shit, I should have gone big. Dude, that's the thing. I have maths in journalism right now. So I'm thinking, two to the power of five. How do you say that? Uh, 
Два воиздение на степен пятая. I realized that my brain is capable of yeah. incredible things because I was That's able to true. learn a whole comf- completely Isn't different there? language, different alphabet, and I am very comfortable with it. So, you kind of respect yourself more for that. Yeah, I feel that there's nothing I cannot do at this juncture. Yeah, if you can learn Russian, possible. yeah, <laughs> you can do anything. <laughs> you can. <laughs> Maybe not Chinese, but <laughs> yeah. well, I think I can now do Chinese. Oh, you can do Chinese. Well. Oh, Arabic. I, I still haven't reached that conflict yet. Oh, okay. What were you, bro? So, Yeah. I think the only difference that I had that the only yeah, the thing that why my experience is a bit different. I think most of you were coming straight from high school and then you started your your bachelor's here. Mm-hmm. Now when you've done a bachelor's, you know, you sort of by the time you get done with your bachelor's and you're coming for your second degree, it is it puts in an awkward situation. Why is that? Um w- learning the language Oh, okay. Because your mind is already grounded on certain things, uh-huh. so you're not that flexible. Okay. Yeah, you already you're not that flexible, but either way you have to pass, so you you have no option. You have yeah. to adapt. Yeah. Uh, just speaking on what she has said, I think it makes you understand that you can actually do quite a lot, especially if you understand that. I came without I couldn't even say a word or I didn't even know any letter but by the time you're done with the six months are they six or nine months by the time you're done and you're able to pronounce certain things it shows that you can actually you're able to learn a lot if you choose not to limit yourself you mm. can learn quite a lot yeah yeah and maybe the other issue that I used to have uh, I, I, I didn't like was uh, the aspect of people judging you based on how you speak the language Right. Judge, judging your intelligence right you know? so if you can't pronounce the words right then you're not that smart and yet before i thought you know before i came i thought english everybody sort of speaks english and at home we used to have the same thing if someone can't pronounce certain things right in english then you sort of judge their intelligence right? yeah mm-hmm. that happens Maybe. in india a yeah, lot. yeah yeah but that taught me that someone can actually be smart and mm. very good mm-hmm. but they're just The challenges the yeah, language, yeah. yeah the challenges the language so i think it can be those few lessons that's that. interesting yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah but i think we have this unique experience of having to go through learning a very difficult skill at mm-hmm. an age when most people are kind of stopped learning in a way because most people don't after college people are like into this how to say autopilot mode and mm-hmm. learning new complex things is not You know, usually people don't do it at that age. Yeah. When we're kids, it's so much easier. But mm-hmm. I, for me, this experience has been very humbling in a way because, you know, you being that it going through the idiot stage mm-hmm. is absolutely essential when you're pl- learning a new skill. Mm-hmm. And I kind of realized that, and I'm trying to learn more new skills, and I don't feel uncomfortable being the idiot anymore, mm-hmm. which has been really how to say, a really give a lot more freedom when you're trying to do something new. And the other part, it takes time. It takes a lot of time and consistent effort to build on something really good. Mm-hmm. That I, I I needed someone to teach me that lesson. Russian has been that lesson mm-hmm. for me, so I'm kind of happy that that happened. Mm-hmm. So 
Let's get into what we're here to talk about. <laughs> Uganda. So, I don't know. For me, my earliest... You know, in my language, Malayalam, we say... In the da, we consider Uganda to be like the edge of the world. Okay. Mm. I know why. It's like... <laughs> it's like when you're saying... I don't know how to use that expression. It's like, where are you going to find that? Ugandela. That means, where are you going to find that? At the edge of, edge of the world. Something like that. And the name, for some reason, in my uh, social conscience growing up in and use, seeing that kind of usage in my language, I always thought of Uganda as this place which is on the edge of the world, which no one from we, our place can ever go to. Something mm. like that. Very remote. And then, like, I started reading about it and I finally realized that there are so many Indians living there <laughs> and all that stuff. Dude, I, when I did the research with Ghana, it was so fascinating. So, let's start with where you guys are from and we'll build up on that. Okay. Well, uh, Uganda, it's, it's interesting that you say, you know, it's sort of like remote and very, yeah. it seems... That's yeah. my social conditioning. Yeah. I, would, I, I, am, I know I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you see, it... Uh, when you talk about India and Uganda, like the relations between the two, most of uh, the Asians, they, uh, I think they, in terms of population, mm-hmm. most settlers from Asia are definitely from, mm. from India. Mm. Yeah, Most of them are from India. In fact, even the issue of the economy, I think the Indians had uh, a lot of influence in as far as uh, the growth of our economy was concerned. Many investors um, who are carrying out big projects are definitely from India. Mm. So, yeah. So these people are able to identify, you know, this very remote place. <laughs> <laughs> maybe because of, I don't know. Maybe because of. Uh, anyway, I, I I think we'll talk more about it. Yeah. In so, terms of the beauties that it provides. But I'm from uh, myself. I'm from Western Uganda, mm-hmm. and it's a place called Mbarara. 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 Yes. Oh, I got that. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Perfect. It's, it's in uh, <laughs> Uganda. That's in Uganda. Yeah, and the people who live there are largely Banyankole. That's the name of your tribe? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Could you repeat that? Banyankole. Banyankole. Yeah, or you can say Ankole region. Ankole region. So, region. could you like locate, us, uh, locate Uganda on the African map? It's in the south? No, it's um, eastern. Uh, it's in the eastern part of Africa. So, uh, who, are, who are your neighbors? Our neighbors are Kenya. Mm-hmm. You have uh, the south, you have um, Tanzania, Tanzania. Mm-hmm. and north you have... Uh, south Sudan. South Sudan, ah. <laughs> yes. And then... Uh, Indian the Ocean? On the, on the east? East you have uh, Kenya. Okay. Yes. So yes. you're landlocked? Yes, yes we, we are, are landlocked. Ah. We are landlocked. We are landlocked. So we are landlocked. if Kenya decides to close their borders, <laughs> we have to add um, to the west, we have Congo. Yes, yes. And mm. then to the southwest, we have Rwanda. Rwanda. Yeah. And also, I must add that River Niles, that's from Uganda. I'm sorry? River Nile. Uh, the River Nile, yeah. yeah. I, I was about to talk <laughs> about that. Yeah. The, so the River Nile, which is like, how do you say, the lifeblood of Africa. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. Originates from Lake Victoria, if I'm yes, not mistaken. Yes. So tell us about Lake Victoria. It's like this big ass freshwater yes, lake in yes, yes, in yes, the center of Africa, yes. right? Yes. And um, um, well, maybe I could talk about where I come from. Yes. Yeah. I come from the central part of Uganda. Um, 
um, it's a, there's a kingdom, but mm-hmm. I think we shall expound on that. It's a kingdom within the country, but it's not, it's just, um, what would I say? Uh, well, yeah, I'm from Buganda Kingdom. Yeah. I'm okay. Uganda by tribe, and we speak Luganda. Okay. But in Uganda, not everybody speaks Luganda. Okay. There are so many different tribes and mm-hmm. languages. Mm-hmm. It's just that the capital happens to be located in Buganda Kingdom. So the predominant language there is Luganda. But and the capital you, being Kampala. Yes, yes. Okay. But if you're to go to other parts of the country, people speak different languages. Okay. Yes. yes. And the lingua franca is English. Yes. 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 Okay. And maybe to add what she has said, um, where she comes from, central Uganda, which is a sort of Buganda region, mm-hmm. and the kingdom there being uh, uh, Buganda mm-hmm. kingdom. Yes. The language that is spoken by most people in Uganda, at least the local language, is uh, is Luganda because of the capital city okay. being in uh, be, being in, uh, in that central. Area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And most of the administrative places. Are still in the same region uh, yeah mm-hmm. so it's one of those key tribes in the country because yeah it has had it had a lot of influence when the colonialists came i think this was one of the tribes that they interacted with mm-hmm. yeah so it's actually a key tribe in uganda mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and um talking about river nile you know that uh gandhi's remains some of them were put to the nile for real? Yes, yes. yes. I didn't know that. Yeah. In Uganda? Yes, yeah. in Uganda. He requested I have. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> so, Uganda's remains are stolen from <laughs> yeah. India to Uganda. Wow. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. And I think the River Nile starts in the southern part of your country, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, because we have a big portion of. Um, we cannot claim that Lake Victoria is ours. It, it, I think Lake Victoria is like uh, between few countries, it, right? Between. Yeah, it's, it's, Eastern it's, um, yeah, it lies on the border of. Um, not really on the border, it shares, uh-huh, its yeah. border crosses <laughs> the border of um, Kenya, Tanzania yes. and Uganda uh-huh. lies in um, Lake Victoria, uh-huh. yes. Okay. So it's sort of divided into three parts, the lake. Uh-huh. Yeah, three countries share the lake. Share the lake. And yeah. it's like, is it like the biggest freshwater lake in Africa? Yes, it yes, is. Yes. And I think that makes it like the lifeblood of the entire agriculture in these three countries. Well, yes, but at the same time, we are a tropical country. Mm-hmm. So we experience heavy rains, ah. which are contributed by definitely the lake and uh-huh. the forests. Uh-huh. And um, the geography, the winds from yeah. the, the monsoon. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. So we experience, I think, two seasons. Um, the dry and the wet season, mm. which happen twice. Mm-hmm. Each season happens twice in a year. Mm-hmm. So you have two dry seasons and two wet seasons. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Very interesting. And, and the river just flows through Uganda and then it goes, I think it goes all the way to Egypt. Yes. Oh, is it the Blue Nile? Or? River Nile, yeah. Yes. Blue Nile. Yes. It goes all the way to Egypt. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, Ethiopia. Then. And so it, it, I think it goes from Uganda then to South Sudan. Yes. And then to Sudan. And then Sudan, Egypt, yes. if yes. I'm not mistaken. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Oh. Well, you, you know your geography. I know yeah. my geography. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and like the biblical story is there too, right? Like Moses was kind of mm. chilling <laughs> in <laughs> the Nile. Yes. I think that's our first too one. Too bad they didn't yeah. mention Uganda in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So you, you're saying... They mentioned Ethiopia, but they never mentioned Uganda. Yeah, they did mention <laughs> Ethiopia. Yeah, Ethiopians are quite proud of that. They're like, yo... Mm. 
You want to see us like open the Bible page, Ethiopia. Well, that's right, interesting. Right, right. So you talk about this kingdom, right? How old is this uh, Buganda, if I'm not mistaken? Uh, Buganda no. should be very old. Yeah, it's one of those first. No, I. It predates even the time of colonialism. It has been there mm-hmm. for a long time. I can't tell exactly when it started, but it's been in existence. It was in existence for a long time, mm-hmm. and it was one of those most organized um, kingdoms it, that we had. It was a monarchy. Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah, so it's one of those most organized kingdoms that you had. In fact, when when uh, people are talking about colonialism and they say one of the things that colonialism helped was to bring up civilization and all that, some kingdoms were already established, organized, and in a way civilized. Okay. Yeah, because if you look at the um, for example, the hierarchy of leadership, mm-hmm. where you had the king, you had the chiefs, mm-hmm. and even minister. the whole issue of here, yeah, the prime minister, mm-hmm. and even how the king would be replaced in case he died. Okay. All these things were like really orderly, and ah. and how he would relate with the subjects. Ah. Yes. And uh, this was like very well established even before. Yes, yes. it was well established. Yeah. So can I go on a tangent and ask? Mm. Mm-hmm. Did. Black Panther draw any inspiration from this sort of hierarchy <laughs> <laughs> because it's like Wakanda, yeah. Uganda. Yeah. Uh, that was that, that, that thought crossed my mind. Yeah. The first thing I searched was like, was Wakanda based out of Uganda? Yeah. That was the first thing I searched when doing research for this. And it kind of, I did a lot, and it's not actually true, but you got all these different African tribal aspects mm. integrating that movie, yes, like yes. the lip plate mm-hmm. of particular tribe and the neck, um, <laughs> what do you call that, uh, rings, mm-hmm. which also mm. p- some particular characters in the movie had. Mm-hmm. And I usually don't watch like superhero movies, but Black Panther was insane. Yeah. yeah. What, what do you guys think about that? Did, what, did it draw inspiration from this sort of tribal kingdom uh, structure? I think uh, Black Panther was an incredible movie. It portrayed a lot of stuff. Um, although I would add that even if it did a good job, there were a few things lacking. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I noticed were the accents. Oh, what accent were those? <laughs> well, uh, well, they did a good job at trying to mimic which the country's African accent. accent. Is there an African they... accent? You can't say African accent, can well, you? Well, you can't really say African accent, but um, sometimes our local languages influence the way we pronounce. It does. Not sometimes, words. always. <laughs> the way we, we pronounce words in English, mm-hmm. in Russian, for example. Right. So um, I think the accents were a little bit over-exaggerated. Exaggerated? Yeah. Ah. They were a bit over-exaggerated. Although one of the actors in Black Panther was actually is a Ugandan. Which one? Daniel Kaluuya. <laughs> is it? He's, he's, he's a Ugandan, but um, English. He, yeah, he's English. Ah, yeah, I know yeah. that guy. He, yeah. he Black Mirror. He was in one episode of Black Mirror. Ah, he was. He was in um, the that Get Out. Get Out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. dude, I like <laughs> yeah. that guy. Yeah, yeah. He's Ugandan. Yeah, well, uh, Ugandan he's British. Dis- British, but of but Ugandan descent. Are, yeah, oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. And I think some parts were acted in Uganda. 
Really? Tell about that. Yeah, I I try well. I try to read about it, and mm-hmm. they are talking about places like Ruenzori. That is. Well, I know that Ugandans want to claim. You, you guys want to claim? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they even said uh-huh. that um, part of the geography of the kingdom uh-huh. was inspired by a certain area in Western Uganda. Mm. Oh. Yeah. The 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 map of Wakanda. Uh-huh. They tried to get it from a certain area with lakes in Western Uganda. Uh-huh. Well, I don't know if it's really true, and they tried to compare the pictures. I, I saw yeah, a video of I that. Saw, I, saw, I saw some sort of sim- similarity, but yeah. I cannot say that that was 100% accurate. But I know that oh. Ugandans, when we see something slightly related to Uganda, <laughs> we're like, hey! That's us, bro! That's us. We're claiming it! <laughs> yeah, we're claiming it. Yeah, but I think oh. Great Panther was a great movie. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I, I, it was really well researched and tried to represent that African, yes. Africanness yes, really well. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, they, they did a good job. They yeah. did a very good job. I was um, impressed. Yeah. Yeah. Impressed, yes. Yeah, and what is the end of the word wonder? What does that mean? Ganda. Does um, it have any linguistic meaning? No, no. I, but uh, I know that the whole name of Uganda mm-hmm. was extracted from Buganda. Buganda. Ah, yeah, Buganda yeah. because because of the tribe. Buganda the, being a dominant. Yeah, dominant, yeah. Uh, yeah. It was it was the largest. Uh-huh. Kingdom. Oh, by the way, we have to add that we have very many kingdoms in Uganda. It's not just Buganda. Ah, yeah. <laughs> we have um, Buganda, we have Ankole, yeah. we have Bunyoro, we have uh, Busoga yeah. chiefdom, yeah. and then Toro yes. kingdom. Yes. Oh, yes. that's a lot, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> yeah. But then Buganda um, was the biggest uh-huh. and the strongest at that time. And so if you have, as, as, a, as a colonialist, if you have control over Buganda, you would have control over the rest. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So I think that the fact that it was the strongest at that time, yeah. um, and you know, they decided to name the entire region. Uh, based on that. You, kind of like a cultural can, hegemony when you are the biggest kingdom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Interesting. So yes. if, for example, let's say English wasn't there. Mm-hmm. You're from Buganda, you're from the Western Empire, I forgot. Yes, ba- Barara. Barara. <laughs> from Ankole <laughs> Kingdom, from Ankole, let's say. Ankole yeah, Kingdom. Ankole Kingdom. Yes, yes. How do you guys talk to each other? Without English, big challenge. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, most m- m- uh, most of the tribes are like Bantu. Could you explain what Bantu is for the listeners? Uh, Bantu is an ethnic group. Mm-hmm. Um, they originated from the Camer- um, Cameroon Highlands. Okay. Um, Cameroon is somewhere in the west of Africa. Uh-huh. Um, the Bantu, as an ethnic group, they migrated to dif- they dispersed. Um, Towards, to, the, towards the south, yeah, towards the and south. the west and the east, sorry. and a few of them settled in um, in Uganda. Mm-hmm. So we have one root word which is into root word, root word, a root word like um, like keyword, yeah, yeah, okay, into. Keyword, yeah. Um, so that word means like a person. Hmm. Well, there's a way we change it slightly. For example, one person is Muntu in in um. In Luganda, it's Montu, mm-hmm. and in and the same thing, in Yankole, it's Omontu. Uh-huh. So it's sort yes. of same. And if when when we got to interact with um, some students from Zambia, uh-huh. they also have a similar word. And in uh-huh. fact, some students from Zambia, when they are speaking their local language, I can pick a few words. Really? That proves to you. Uh, how but Zambia is not neighbor. Country. It's not neighboring. Not at all. It's in southern yeah. southern part of Africa. <laughs> yeah. oh. We're not neighbors. So when you say, how do we understand each other? Because of that whole issue of Bantu, uh-huh. yeah. 
most of the uh, the tribes in Uganda are largely Bantu, and when they are speaking, mm-hmm. you can easily understand what they're ah. saying. Yeah. So I can communicate to her in my language. Yeah. She will understand. She can. She will oh. reply back in her language, and I will understand. Yes. So yes. All the different king. Okay, let's not all. M- most or many of the different kingdoms in Uganda yeah. have one linguistic family are from one linguistic family which yes, is the bantu yes, family yes, yes, yes. and that makes it kind of similar to each other but distinctive yeah, to call yeah, yes, them yes, yeah, yeah. different yes, languages yes, and not yes, dialects yes yes uh, um, i also have to add that in uganda we don't only have the bantu we also have the nilots yeah. oh, which and is an another language group no which is another ethnic, ethnic group ethnic group yeah. okay um they didn't really form kingdoms mm-hmm. it's uh, the bantu um, one of the characteristics of the bantu is the ability to organize themselves in in kingdoms and they are largely farmers and cattle keepers the bantu oh, okay yeah so you find that most of the kingdoms in um, africa mm-hmm. were from bantu the, the bantu not all but a good a lot. number mm-hmm. and the nilots on the other hand were nomads hunter gatherers yes mm. yes so and hence don't form kingdoms yes they don't really form kingdoms although they are also organized in some like chiefdoms uh, yes much, yeah. yes uh. so we also have the nilots in Uganda they occupy mainly the northern part and a bit of the east. Yeah. Mm. So um well when they are speaking I can't understand anything. They're completely so, different from yes, yours. Yes, yes. Okay. So we use english to communicate. Right. But you find that most people have all learned most people have learned Luganda. Ah, really? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A so, good number. So, who, what would you guys prefer to communicate with Luganda or English? Mm. Well, Luganda but once in a while you mix in english you know <laughs> but uh luganda i can communicate yes well yes but you, you're, you're comfortable lugandan too yeah i'm comfortable yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah but um in most cases if you're to meet a ugandan and, and you're not sure where that person comes from mm. you might yeah. have to speak, speak english, in english. Yeah. yes yeah. most people speak english yeah, i think all people number. speak well i wouldn't say all because you can meet people who only speak their local languages okay. and they don't speak english all right yes yeah. and it also has some it's also related to literacy levels uh-huh Um, kind of same in India too. Mm-hmm. Yes. So those who speak English, the assumption is that most of them are going through school. Schooling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And those that are unable, also, the belief is that they have not had chance to go to go school. Go to school. Yeah. Interesting. Mm. And, but there is another language which is largely an East African language called Swahili. So mm-hmm. you guys, what Swahili is? Which country the Swahili? Um, Tanzania. Tanzania, yeah. And Kenya. Hmm. Um. But there was, you know, there was something called. The East African Federation, right? I don't know about well, that. Okay, yeah. Now, let, Could let you explain? Briefly. <laughs> briefly yeah, yes, briefly. Okay. So, when these countries, when Uganda, Kenya, and Tanzania mm-hmm. were fighting for... Were, fighting for independence. Yeah, fighting for independence. The idea was that we need to all integrate and come up as one country. Which okay. would become the East African Federation. Okay. Yeah. So, well, I think they did agree along those lines. They went ahead and fought, fought for independence separately. Mm-hmm. So you uh, Uganda emerged, Kenya emerged, Tanzania emerged. Mm-hmm. But they still maintain that association mm-hmm. to ensure that maybe in future you would have a political integration. Mm. And one of the things that... Uh, are these countries similar enough for political integration? Yes, there are similarities. Because like she was The Bantu. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, even the Nilots. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah. So you find that some tribes are in Kenya and they're also in Uganda. Mm. Some of them, in fact, those who... Uh, in the border. Yeah, who live... At the border are able to communicate well with each other 
and they don't even see the difference. Mm. You can't say the, they can't say it's like just a political border. Exactly, yes. just yes. political border. A line on the map. Mm-hmm. Yes, they don't recognize it. So that's how the whole issue of East Africa came up. Okay. Up to now, we still now we have the East African community, uh-huh. and they are still seeking for the same goals, things like political so integration it, and. So you guys looking for one unified nation? Is that the goal? Yes, or? that's the ultimate goal. Why is that a goal? Because uh, the belief is that if you have separate countries, they cannot, they they are not strong enough right. to negotiate or to relate with other most powerful countries. Interesting. But if you have a political integration. Mm. That means your population is high. That means your productivity is high. That right. means you guys are. I mean, you're stronger right. when you're united. And all these were former British colonies. Yes. I, I that's the next question I was going to ask you because mm. from my while I was doing the research, I found that Uganda was never a colony. It was a protectorate. Yes, mm. yes, yes. And Kenya was a colony. Mm-hmm. Could you explain to me what's the difference between a protectorate and a colony? Um, I think I could talk about the protectorate and mm-hmm. we will address the colony. Okay. So a protectorate, um, I would say, is a country which um, the colonialists haven't taken over fully, mm-hmm. but their main role is to protect their interests okay. in that country. In Uganda, um, they wanted to mainly, it, it had to do with the Nile, since they had already colonized Egypt, mm-hmm. and they knew that Egypt survived solely on the Nile. Right. So they had to look for the source of this Nile, because a person, the person who controls the source, controls Egypt. So wow. that's how Uganda Egypt ended is like up. thousands of miles in the north. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how you, 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 Uganda became of interest to the British. And mm. then they sent the explorers to find wait, wait, the source. Wait, wait, wait. Just to back things up. What about the other colonial exploitation of African, like resources like e- ivory uh, and all the minerals? Um, and... I think Uganda didn't have a lot of that. Even if we had copper, we had other minerals. Mm-hmm. But the main aim was the Nile. Control the Nile. To control the Nile. Wow. But then definitely they, they found other things that were of interest to them so they came and they decided to colonize uganda because they would have um, access they would protect their interests in egypt Mm. Um, we were declared a protectorate Mm -hmm. and with us they didn't really apply direct rule they used indirect rule Indirect, through the Bund- the Buganda kingdom through the rulers so the the native rulers the king of ankole Whereas in he will, he will address what a colony is uh-huh. in colonies they directly um, rule under her Majesty. Yes, mm. yes. For us, probably they come as businessmen, as mm. traders, as you know somebody else. But then they somehow push their agendas through the king. They can influence the politics. Yes, but then obviously after some time the kings also started resisting, yeah. or they they were already resisting. They didn't want to be used anymore. Ah. So we were just a protectorate. They didn't use direct rule with us, and they were mainly interested in protecting their interests right. in Egypt. Before we go to call anything, can mm-hmm. I ask you if there was like a divide and conquer policy in Uganda? Yes, yes, definitely. That the British did that to us yeah. and they were really successful with <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Divide and rule. How, how was it? And Sorry, divide and rule, yes. Um, and I think Brian yeah. will be in a best position to answer okay, that, that, that part of divide and rule. Divide and rule. Okay. So, so first, let's have a colony. So colony, you have this strong country uh-huh. which comes to have direct control over a seemingly... Um, weaker country okay so and and then yeah to have ultimate control over this country but in a direct way you know so that's 
Mm. Yeah, not through the local rulers, not directly from the home country or yes, the colonial yes, country. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, mainly to achieve certain interests, for example, it could be in terms of resources, mm. or it could be to, yeah, mainly, because all of it was mainly rotating around resources. Right. You know? So you had these powerful countries through the Berlin Conference that agreed and said, let's go and get colonies from Africa. You have to explain what the Berlin Conference was. Uh, <laughs> The Berlin Conference um, took place, as you understand, in Germany, and uh, the chairperson, I think, was Bismarck. Uh-huh. And the aim of it was to find, to, to be able to, to have access to raw materials. In Africa? In Africa, mm-hmm. okay. for, the growing industrial revolu- for the industrial revolution in Europe. So it was like all the colonialists coming together yes. deciding to you take Tanzania, exactly. yeah, yeah. you exactly. take Uganda, exactly. you take Kenya. Yeah. Exactly. That was the Berlin Conference. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So they decide and then they come up and you know they put I guess the African map there on the table <laughs> and they decide you will take this portion, you will take that, you will take that. Uh-huh. But the ultimate goal was get raw materials and send them out to support the industries, in the emerging Europe. industries in Europe. And they did not want to go to war with each other for territory. They want yes. to diplomatically divide it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It was an entirely diplomatic... Uh, exercise. Yeah, exercise. So, oh. yeah. So you had that in place. And that's how all these countries, including Uganda, became colonies. Can I just well, say an observation? I'm so sorry to cut you off. Mm-hmm. African countries have straight borders. Some countries in, like when you look at the map of Africa, mm. there are these straight ass borders. Yeah, yeah. I think this was because the colonialists divided these so meticulously <laughs> that countries have like, like it's like a knife going through cake, the borders. Yes, yes. I think the Berlin conference yeah. or some kind of deals like that is why Africa has these kind of borders. Exactly. All the borders in Africa are artificial. Yeah, exactly. The borders are artificial. In fact, I've always been wondering why after independence the African leaders accepted to inherit artificial borders. Colonial borders. Especially claiming that they were independent countries. Mm. I felt that they had to take a different stand mm-hmm. saying, okay, we are going to reverse the entire colonial legacy and mm. one of them is to with artificial borders. Mm. But they maintain them and they still work up to now. Right. You know? But maybe with the new bodies that are coming up like East African community, they want these regional blocks get together you have like sadak that is for south african countries uh-huh. you have the one for east african countries you have the one for north african countries right. so they believe that once these blocks become strong then you can have a future integration of the entire african continent right mm. yeah mm. um just a very small point mm. about the east african world community we're already moving in that direction we have an east african passport Really? Yeah. We so you can go through Kenya, Tanzania, and Uganda with one passport. One passport. Yes, yes. And, wow. and, and, I didn't um, know that. They are phasing out our individual passports. Uh-huh. There is a, a deadline whereby um, mm. the the new the old passports because right now I have a Ugandan passport mm-hmm. when that passport will no longer be valid and I must have the East African passport. Wow. Yeah. So we are really that's like there. quite <laughs> a big move in that direction, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, 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 true, yeah. True. It's not just it's a lot of progress. Yes, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. And everyone welcomes it. Or are, is there kind of some kind of resistance? Well, even if against... you try to resist it, they're phasing out the old passports. <laughs> 
It's like <laughs> all countries have agreed. Yes. All the South African countries yes. have at least agreed. What What's the opposition to it? They, I'm assuming there will be somebody who's mad about this sort of integration. Well, at least we've not really had. I think everybody understands yes. that it's really important. Yeah. So it's 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 like. Uh, unanimously most of the people are supporting yes, this yes 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 and yes. and ugandans have uh, businesses in mm, kenya in tanzania that, we yeah. all want to be able yeah. to go there free, free, free without movement. any kinds of yeah. yeah so if you tell me you are in tanzania for holiday i can be like, oh fine i'll come over the weekend <laughs> <laughs> so, and by the way with that if you have um, if you have a political integration of the east african community the size of this of east africa yeah. will be equal to the size of India. <laughs> really? You mean yes. physical size? Physical size, yeah. Yes. Ah, really? Yeah, yeah. Mm. That's, a fact, l- that's one of the things that they brought up. That's a there. lot of area, man. Have, yes. That's yeah. a lot I of area. with a less population. No, honestly, man, when you are yeah. big as India, <laughs> I had to travel on a train from Chennai to Kashmir, two and a half days in a train. Ooh. And I'm, I'm thinking, why is India so fucking big? Why can't it be like, you know, yeah. Israel, like six hours and you're done. <laughs> but... Mm. But yeah, but that's pretty cool. I didn't realize that. Yes. Usually, from what I've observed is that there's a trend of territories wanting autonomy and separating from a larger entity. Yes, yeah. But this is like counter of that, mm-hmm. which is really interesting for me mm-hmm. because I usually thought that the more a nation state progresses, mm-hmm. and especially now when mm-hmm. certain individual identities mm-hmm. are held much higher in regard, a sense of very micro-nationalism emerges mm-hmm. people states want to separate away from the large mm-hmm. entity but this is kind of interesting way yeah it, like lubopitna what's the word for lubopitna i'm um, curious no, 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 uh, that's not the word uh namir deliberately namirna deliberately deliberately states want to come together mm-hmm. oh, because you know brexit and all yes, that yes, yes. really interesting for me yeah, yeah but it's also important to know that the guiding ideology for the integration of African countries, yeah, mm-hmm. to form one nation, mm-hmm. that, is, that would be like the United States of Africa. It is the Pan-African ideology. Yeah, I was, I was about to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he has so many things to talk uh, let's about. Finish, let's finish, let's, yeah. <laughs> Including um, divide and rule policy. Divide and rule. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. So the Pan-African ideology, which shows that you need to have um, all black Africans should unite. Black, define black Africans. Everyone south of Egypt, Morocco, all those regions, or how would you define that? You, see, no, you include geographically. Which would be? Geographically, that would mean... South of the Sahara. Huh? Yeah, well... South of the Sahara. I guess. Uh, but well, would that include <laughs> South Sudan and Sudan? Of yeah, course. yeah, definitely. Okay. Definitely. All the African countries would be included. All the African well, countries, the including African. those in North Africa. Oh, okay. Yeah, mm. including those in North Africa. So you have all these countries, and then... You believe that all of them should unite if they are to make a significant impact in the world. Mm. Yeah. And the other thing should be that... I'm sorry to cut you off, but unite as one country or as like a European Union sort of entity? Sort of have it as one country. You will probably know... Big, isn't it? There are people who have who who are spearheading this idea so That's... you had people like Kwame Nkrumah, I don't know if you've heard about him. No. He was the first Ghanaian president. Um, I'm sorry. I, yeah, I yeah. he was the first Ghanaian president. He was called Kwame Nkrumah, and one of his key ideas was that you need a United States of Africa. Mm. So where you have one passport, you have one currency, you have 
one this, ruler for all these different people interesting yeah of course which is difficult <laughs> but yes yeah. you know yeah you have elimination of these artificial borders and all that yeah and then other people say no i think you need to first build up blocks then after you have strong blocks then you can emerge and form one so it's a long term project and it's it? a long term mm. does everyone agree yeah. to that yeah, so, yeah. It's a yeah. Long-term and you know most people in europe think that africa is a country so we shall give them the country <laughs> 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 they think africa is a country so now we're going to give them one big country yeah. hey hilda do you speak <laughs> african <laughs> do you know this guy i have a friend from angola do you know him <laughs> and it's like in russians they usually say uh, do you speak hindi i'm like okay i speak my country now <laughs> <laughs> But, uh-huh. so, yeah, so they divide and how was it in because uh, if, if i were to compare in india they used the muslim versus hindu mm. sort of they fl- they flamed it up yeah to make sure that these two communities never came together to fight the british yeah how did they do it in well, uganda in african countries you have inherently most of them are tribal societies mm-hmm. so you have different tribes so they would put up one tribe against the other Mm. They, they would favor one tribe mm. at the expense of the other okay. how would they favor them is that they would um, especially those that had kingdoms they would ensure that they divide the king against the subjects oh, because they... normally they would come from different tribes ah way, okay sometimes now that's where you had something like the Rwandan genocide coming up okay. you had the Tutsis against the Hutus so these are two tribes that went against yes they are two tribes but they speak the same language it's just mm-hmm. physical you know it's okay um these are two tribes uh-huh. in the same country they sort of share the same language but uh the one part some of them are nomads the other are farmers cultivators. yeah farmers okay yeah i, so I mean found areas in which they would be able to divide these people mm. and one of actually the most absurd was that they had to look at the physical structure the physical physical features mm-hmm. okay yeah say you know these ones are tall um tall probably long noses and it's, mm-hmm. uh, these ones are darker skin yeah, these ones are lighter skin yes, yes. so the how did the british kind of create this division what, uh, was it through your education no, 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 system that, that's now that is not uganda that was in um, an example that's ah, an example ah, okay. that is in rwanda rwanda okay mm-hmm. but in 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 uganda what you had was for example Buganda Kingdom mm-hmm. right so in Buganda Kingdom they get collaborators collaborators are Collaborator. so people who they would easily deal with they would give them favors they would mm-hmm. become maybe like chiefs ah okay yeah and then they help them administer their role so these so, are appointed by the british yes they are appointed okay. by the british so for example they come and they find brand who is agreeable mm. and then now they go through me to ensure that i uh, I do what they want me to do. Mm. So I become their collaborator on the ground. If they are coming up with new policies, maybe tax collection, mm. I should be done to execute that. Right. Yeah. And so this is advise, this goes against the king, the Bugandan king, or is it with his acceptance uh, that Now this... it depended on the king. Some kings for example in Buganda collaborated ah, while others differed. Differed. Okay. Yeah. Um, one of them is I'm starting to understand prominent. it. Yeah. yeah. One of them is most prominent for defying them. Okay. So some collaborated and others defied. Mm. So they would get uh, and they did that in all uh, all um for example regions. So in in Buganda they got collaborators. So if they came to for example Ankole where I come from western Uganda. Okay. They would um, they did it sort of at a tribal a clan basis. At land tribal 
or clan. Clan, okay. So, yeah. So they get these, and these are the favorites. These ones are favored. But uh, the others are sort of, you know. Sidelined. Yeah. yeah that sidelined. causes resentment. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. And that causes. So you divide communities. Ah. Yeah. So you have a favored group, and you have that that is not. So most of these are rewarded by, they are rewarded with things like being appointed as chiefs, their children going to school and the others mm. are not. So you have that kind of resentment. But it was not so much in Uganda anyway. Because when you look at the divide, the divide and rule policy, it worked most efficiently in the French colonies, oh. not in the British colonies. For example, Cameroon. Cameroon. Yeah, most of Sierra, it was Sierra, really not Sierra, mm-hmm. Ivory Coast, yes. Cote d'Ivoire. Yeah. And even Rwanda, why Rwanda comes out, Rwanda was not a British colony. It was German? Yes, German mm. and, well, Belgium. Belgium, yeah. yeah. Mm. So those ones were also, especially the Belgians. Uh, Belgians were King yeah, Leopold. Yeah. <laughs> and in Congo, same thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But in Uganda, it was not that, but it was there, you know, but sort of subtle. Ah. Mm. Yeah. Something interesting about the English language and um, colonialism. You know, our history was written for us. Same. <laughs> By the British. T- thanks, thank you, Britain, for writing our history. <laughs> yes, yes. Our history was written for us. So you can see the terminologies are corroborators. Uh, mm-hmm. And the other kings that resisted are called resistors. Mm. But if we had written our history, we would call the collaborators terrorists. Tra- yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. People who have committed treason. <laughs> right. You see? Against the nat- the, Against yeah. the, the real king. people who were living there. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. But now, um, we now see, we are now calling these people collaborators. Mm. Something subtle and nice. They collaborated. Even now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but if, if, if I were back in that kingdom and I saw these people collaborating, I would be like, he is a terrorist. Traitor. He's a traitor. Right. But now... In history books, we have list of collaborators, and they're like they brought education. They, yeah, exactly. Which, you know, yeah, of course, yeah. they were positive things. Yeah. But the language we are using is doesn't use the most appropriate word exactly. for us. Exactly. People who were exploited. For, yes. Yeah. I just wanted to make yeah. that comment. Yeah, true. That's <laughs> so in fact, other things were developed to sort of reward some of those people. So you had introduction of schools mm-hmm. that were set up by. And then you had churches that were established, mm-hmm. administrative places. If I were to ask a question, mm. was this the time when the... So I believe Uganda is majority Christian. Yes. And Protestant. Christian. I mean, well, Ang- Anglican. Well, Catholics yeah. and, and Anglicans, but uh, Christians. Uh-huh. And this happened during this time. Yeah, it happened. You, you had the missionaries. Missionaries. Yeah. yeah. Was there this uh, rhetoric that... It was the white man's burden to civilize the savages. Oh, what's, what's that? I've because that in, 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 in our history book, who mm-hmm. said this? I mean, let me just check. I think it's Macaulay. It's called the white man's burden, where colonialism was... Um, uh, white man's burden. Oh, wait, that's a real clipping poem. Wait. Uh Code. Let me just find that. So it, it basically means that it was a ways to justify. Yeah, uh, the white man burned take over sent for. Mm. Wait 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 wait. Mm. Who said that? Yeah, it was. Uh... I think it was Macaulay. It was like uh... mm. God. Wait, I'll I'll find that. So basically, yeah. it's like. 
they justified colonialism and mm-hmm. all the atrocities with it saying that mm-hmm. it was the europeans duty mm-hmm. to colonial i mean uh, civilize us us being the people of africa the people of south asia and all the other places mm-hmm. and europeanizes into the way of uh, in, in one sense christianity mm-hmm. and in one sense uh, european values of uh, let's say for example like um, the marriage structure of europe mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. monogamy was yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. polygamy was mm-hmm. sinful mm-hmm. and all those yeah. stuff like that did your education Educationalization, also. Edu- I don't know if that's even a word, mm. but building all the schools mm. and the churches, did it have that kind of a function too? To let's call it how do you say civilize us, civilize yeah, in quotes, yeah. as per the European definition of civilize. Yeah. I think it did. I think that approach was really applied, especially in 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 in, in, um, in schools, and even I mean established churches. But you see the things that they focused on yeah mm-hmm. for example if it came to issues of preaching it was not issues of what church church yes, okay church. it wasn't about bettering the person it was sort of to teach them the doctrine of submission and uh, mm. you know to become less violent and so that you don't have armed armed movements and things like that so but it was not meant to to really transform the human to tra- transform the person. Okay. And when it came to school, you even were, colonial schools. Yes, colonial okay. schools. I feel that the school, the things that one was taught, um, were not necessarily meant to completely improve them so that they can uh, they can uh, transform their societies, but in a way to create a workforce for them. Exactly. You know? Same same case in India. Yeah. They wanted skilled laborers to yeah. do the taxes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So you 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 bring up these uh, bureaucrats mm. or technocrats who will be able to implement your policies. So you teach them things that you think are relevant for them to things that will better them and will make them you know better employees. Right. Not necessarily rivals to to you know to give them education that will uplift them and things exactly. that will transform their societies. Exactly. That is why you had. Um, for example, during the Cold War, yeah, the Cold War where you had uh, US, USA and USSR, mm-hmm. people who were educated by the USSR had a completely different approach mm. when it came to... Um, people in Uganda, do you mean? Who do you mean? People in Africa. But, but okay. So, so people but educated to, by USSR, you mean people who studied in... In, in uh, the Soviet Union. Okay, fine. In the Soviet Union. And then went back to their countries. And went back to their countries. Most of them became... Um, socialist, left-wing. Socialist, left-wing. And in, if anything, um, it is that ideology that sort of lifted us out of, uh, out of um, what? Colonialism. Could you give an example for that? Um, and if yeah. you can bring, if you can get someone from Ruden, because yes. Ruden served exactly that purpose of yes, yes, educating yes. young people from... Immediately post-colonial countries who just got independence in the 60s, mm. bring them to Russia, gave mm. them that communist, uh, socialist ideology mm. and sent them back to their countries that those countries would develop a communist, yeah. socialist um, ideology. How, how about this guy from Kenya, um, from Congo? Was he from one Congo, of them? Lumumba. Lumumba. Lum- he Patrick student, Lumumba. Yeah, he yeah. was a student. No, he, our Congo. university was named after him, right? Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Yes. So, so, so people who don't know, the university's name Ruden until I think 1992 
Wait, let me just check. No, was he called, wasn't actually educated here. Yeah, before, but it is named after him. Yeah, it was named after him because of his contribution and he tried to follow the the socialist uh, path mm. in as far as transforming Congo was concerned. Yeah. Yes. What happened to him? I think he got... He was um, ass- killed. Assassinated. Yes, he was stopped by his uh, immediate person uh-huh. who was, you know, like his ally at first. Yeah. And um, they arrested him. They Toppled his government anyway. He was arrested and then killed. Okay, I'll just read this thing out. On 22nd February 1961, mm. the university was named Patrick Lumumba University after Congolese independence leader Patrick Lumumba, mm. who had been killed in a coup that January. Mm. The stated purpose of establishing the university was to give young people from Asia, Africa, and Latin America especially from poor families, the opportunity to be educated and become qualified specialists. The organization had been mentioned in the as the founders of the university are the All the Union Central Soviet of Trade Unions, Soviet Afro-Asian Solidarity Committee, mm-hmm. and the Soviet Association of Union of Friendship and Intercultural Relations. So... I thought he had studied here. No, but no, no, the, he the timing doesn't make sense, right? Yeah. No, he didn't study here, but uh, he tried to follow the socialist party. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Russia at that time, the mm. Soviet Union anyway at that time, mm. was looking for key African figures, mm. sort of promote. like you guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it, yeah. it's not. I think I had Indonesia on the podcast, and he told that the first set of Indonesian students who were um, after their independence, who started studying in the socialist mm. ideology, mm. they were in Ruden, yes. and. In Podvark, mm. te- our history teacher, his mother was also a history teacher, mm. and she taught them yeah. the first batch of uh, Indonesian students, which is really interesting for me. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, Ruden, our university, did serve that purpose of making yeah. new colonial countries socialist. Yeah, so, yeah, as you were saying, you're saying that socialist ideology kind of helped the new independent countries get out of that colonial structure. Could you explain yeah. on that more? I um, can give specific examples. Sure. Um, in a country like uh, Tanzania. Tanzania mm-hmm. decided to to take up the socialist path. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they came up with uh, it's like Swahili word called. Uh, 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 so sorry, is, is Sankara from Tanzania? No, mm-hmm. no, he was from Burkina Faso. Burkina Faso. Okay, sorry. Can but I... he went to Tanzania for training. Ah. Yes. So the Tanzanian leader, because he had um, accepted the socialist path, was able Which to leader? train. That is Nyerere, mm-hmm. Julius Nyerere. Uh-huh. So he was able to take some African some like young African students uh-huh. and teach them all these issues of decolonization and right. all that. And that became a key doctrine for them, sort of um, do away with colonialism. And key among them was, for example, Mozambique mm-hmm. under Samora Marshall, educated in Tanz- went through Tanzania. Uh-huh. You had our current president, Museveni also. Uh-huh. He also went through Tanzania. Well, Tanzania was like a socialist hub, exactly, educational exactly. hub at that time. Yeah, you had mm. different people, um, including the one that you just talked about, Thomas Sankara. Uh-huh. You had, um, there is another South Sudan leader called John Garang, mm-hmm. also went through Daras, Tanzania. Wow. At some point, Nyerere, sorry, not Nyerere, Mandela himself. Really? He was, yeah, fighting for against apartheid and all that. He was, you know, he got a bit of training. Wow, dude, yeah. Tanzania just became more interesting mm-hmm. for me right now. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So it sort of trained most of the African leaders, but based on the socialist ideology. Ah. Yeah. 
I, but wow. the other thing is that you, you know it had to be it was not this democratic path where they say go back home and organize elections free mm. elections mm. it was armed movement oh yeah so it was mm. yeah that's kind of the trend in all post newly yeah. independent african countries yes. isn't mm-hmm. it yeah yeah okay mm-hmm. so there's a lot of questions that i want to ask but i want to steer this towards <laughs> uganda yeah. you're going very yeah, pan african yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think i think i think you should have a separate um podcast to for, to, to discuss yeah dude that's yeah. the thing man there's like so many ideas come up <laughs> yeah. and i only have such <laughs> limited time yeah. just a saturday yeah. a few hours yeah. and i did yeah, god very interesting so let's stick to uganda mm. <laughs> <laughs> let's try our best to stick to uganda yes. yeah. you can't talk about uganda without bringing up Idi Amin, because he is one character which, as part, as from an Indian perspective, mm. all discussions of Uganda at some point have to come about because in the last post-independent Uganda, he's been how do you say? <laughs> my mom knows his name, and my mom is not very much interested in geopolitics, so I'm like, okay, this guy's relevant now. Yeah. <laughs> he did something which which was directed towards Indians. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Not, not because of that. Not because of that. Uh, my mom knows him because there's this rumor that he actually ate human meat. He was a cannibal, but I I don't think it's true. It's kind of I like I also don't think. So. Yeah, but that's how he's famous back home. It's like you you do this is Ugandan dictator. That's what guy. happens when somebody else makes your movie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. But um interesting. So, um let's let's talk about him. Like okay, so in 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 uh let's just generalize. No, not generalize. Let's uh let's put all your independence thing in a timeline. Yeah. When did your independence movement start? When did you get independence? What happened after that? When did Idi Amin come in? Could you just summarize all that? I know it's like 200 years of history to be summarized, but maybe I could just talk about a little bit before the colonialism. A little bit. Okay, sure. Um, so, um, uh, um, let me start from the 1900 mm-hmm. Buganda Agreement because it's the signing of that agreement that allowed um, the colonialists to officially can, come can, to Uganda. Can I just make an observation? Why do you keep saying colonialist and not the British? Because when I talk about it, I say British. When do you say <laughs> colonialist? Why is that? I have no idea it's why. It's emphasized more in our history. I'm yeah. sorry? Yeah, it's emphasized more in our yes. history. We yes. don't look at them as British, we look at ah. them as colonialists. Yes. Interesting. So, yeah. our history teachers always use the word colonialist and not yes, British. Yes. Uh, because our history teachers always use the term British. The British, yeah. the British were here, the British were here. Yeah. That's yeah, interesting. Us, I, just, I just noticed that. I think that. we've not gotten over the issue of colonialism. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I was colonized by the British, yeah. the Dutch, and oh. the Portuguese. So if I start saying the colonialists, I'm going to be like, who are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> ah, I see. In particular. Yeah, because for us, it was like a lot of people. And mm-hmm. some parts of India was by the French, some part by even the... Turkish, mm-hmm. not, not colonialized, but mm-hmm. had like colonial aspirations. But mm-hmm. let's talk about Uganda. So, mm-hmm. colonialists, carry on, please. Yes. So, um, when the expl- um, I think the explorers were the first, the very first foreigners into Uganda were the Arabs who had come to do trade. Mm. Yes, and then a few years later, the very first people to go to come to Uganda from Europe were the the, the explorer the explorers. Mm-hmm. After exploring the region, they wrote a letter to England. Um, asking them to send missionaries. They they want missionaries first and soldiers second. Yeah, <laughs> that was a really peaceful yeah, way to look at things, isn't it? They had to first soften our hearts, you know. Oh, <laughs> and how did they do that? <laughs> you know, they have to tell you about God and how you must accept His. I rule always wonder if you don't speak the language of English, how are you going to tell about Jesus in? Well, English? then the mis- the missionaries had to teach us how to read and write. Mm. 
So anyway, to for us to be fully colonized, we had to know how to read and write. Yeah. So um, the explorers, um, one of them, wrote a letter to England asking the Queen to send Missionary. missionaries. Mm-hmm. And um, then we had the signing of the Buganda Agreement. It's, between? Uh, between um, the British and the King of Buganda, okay. since Buganda was the strongest. Okay. And then um, that's when the journey to colonialism began, mm. the 1900 Buganda Agreement. Okay. I always think about it. Sometimes when I'm in the metro and I see when the metro was was constructed, some of them were, some of it was constructed in 1900. Okay. And we are just signing an agreement to, to bring missionaries <laughs> to teach us how to read and write. <laughs> So, um, and then the missionaries came, uh-huh. um, uh, they taught us how to read and write. And after the missionaries, we had the traders. Mm-hmm. From, after, also from England. Yes. I mean, yes, colonies. yes, yes. Um, they, uh, and then after that, we had the, um, the imperial, the, they were called the what? Imperial leaders. Well, the rulers came in after the. the, But still as a protectorate. Yes. Okay. Yes, as a protectorate, Mm -hmm. the the traders came for um uh, to 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 get um cotton and coffee Mm -hmm. because the missionaries had introduced the cash crops and told us to grow them. Okay. Now the traders came to trade. They give us maybe stuff like cloth, sugar, and then we give them after making us to grow. Mm-hmm. cotton and vanilla now they come and they give us pennies yeah <laughs> you so, know they yeah. actually introduce a tax system yeah so that it it forces every family to exactly. go out and do that yeah, so it, yeah. it's something called indentured labor something like that it's like mm-hmm. where you when you can't re- I, I'm, I'm, i'm messing this up mm-hmm. when you can't repay a loan you kind of like become a slave yeah, yeah. yes yeah, yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. yes something like that they did just do us yeah uganda is like india but <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> with the, a big lake in the middle the, 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 the story is the same across mm-hmm. all the all the colonies they use the same system yeah and then um after a while uganda started resisting they finally woke up and they said we have to fight these people away but then by the time we got independence Which, when They was had, that? In 1962. 1962. Um, these guys October. had already, yeah, 9th October. These guys had already got most of what they had wanted. And I believe even we had a, a copper area, an, an area that had copper. Mm-hmm. And um, the copper was almost done. Okay. From there, and that's when they gave us independence. So they, had, like, they had really, really benefited much. Yeah. And then they were like, oh, it's okay, you can rule yourselves. But then after that, they were still involved in, in Uganda's business. Yeah. As in, in how? Yeah, as as um, they still call the shots on some key issues. Dude, this is so yeah. strange because the people from Sierra Leone all said all the same thing. Because yeah. Yeah. even after independence, yeah. the British were kind of like pulling the strings from yeah. the top, yeah. which yeah. I can't understand because our after our independence, mm-hmm. the British were like fuck off meant fuck off. That was <laughs> our kind of independence. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of curious to understand how they still had control over your policies even after you become independent over yes, states. Yes, yes, yes. So I think Brian now has to talk about that from, journey from from the from 19. Well, from you could start from independence. Yeah. Oh, when, when they came to officially rule I, i just love how you guys are like uh, de- planning to divide your history <laughs> between each other yeah divide and conquer, divide yeah. And conquer. <laughs> okay right so it's picking up from where she stopped mm-hmm. so from 1962 you have independence uh, and it was 
uh, we inherited a very similar structure with the British. Mm-hmm. So it was, we sort of inherited the British system. Of administration? Yes. Mm-hmm. So we inherited the colonial structure. Okay. It was never, you know, that's why I was telling you earlier that uh, I love the fact that you guys had sort of a cultural, so to say, a cultural revolution. Okay. Yeah. Because for us, we completely inherited the colonial structure. That means the administrative system. That means the school system. Everything mm-hmm. that they had impo- they had established, we maintained it. So from 1962, we had a prime minister, like uh, the British okay. uh, House of Commons. You had a president who was... Um, ceremonial? Ceremonial, mm-hmm. but happened to come from Buganda Kingdom. Okay. Because it was a dominant kingdom at that time. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, the other thing. So the president, the, the prime minister... Who had the executive powers um after was it 1960 okay he he took up he, he when they made him prime minister he worked for the first years everything um, can i just interject please and rewind a little bit back to your freedom struggle yes was it like a violent struggle or was oh, it good. because mm. i always ask all post-colonial countries. Mm-hmm. Who's your Gandhi? Mm-hmm. Like, who played that sort of mm-hmm. uh, leading figure for mm-hmm. the anti-colonial nationalist movement in Uganda? Um, one, it was not violent. Okay. Mm-hmm. It wasn't violent. Some people feel that it was sort of, you know, served to us on a plate. Really? There was no really that Because big they were struggle. done with Uganda. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> they were like, oh, it's all right. It's all right, take no, it. We have it was no problem. through conferences. <laughs> the Lancaster Conference in Britain. Is it the same for most English colonies in Africa at this time? No. And I think they had to struggle in, uh, yeah. in Kenya. You had mm. the Mau, Mau Rebellion. Mm. It depends, on, it depends yeah. on what value your country gives. Yeah. If mm. you had, had a high value, they still wanted to rule you <laughs> Exploit as it. long as yeah. they can until well, you guys wake up and fight for yeah. independence. But in Uganda's case, they were like battery empty. <laughs> yes, yes. So it, it was sort of, you know, so it wasn't violent. Okay. But um, people formed uh, political parties. Uh-huh. So you had um, the key one was UPC. Uh-huh. After forming an alliance with the kingdom, uh-huh. with the Buganda kingdom, then they came up with the Uganda People's Congress. Okay. So it became the party that led us to independence. However, the whole issue of divide and uh, conquer, right? Rule. How, yeah, how it was applied is that most of these political parties were formed on the basis of religion. So you had the Catholics. Mm. Yeah, under the Democratic Party, mm-hmm. and you had the Protestant or the Anglicans mm-hmm. under the Uganda People's Congress. Mm-hmm. Do, so, do you have any other religious minorities? Sect, yeah, do you have minorities like Muslims or yeah, you... Muslims, but they actually didn't. No, they, they didn't play a big role there. Okay, fine. Yeah. Kind of. So you had that sectarian basis. Mm. That our politics was largely based on religion. Religion. Um, then later on, things like ethnicity played a role. Okay. Yeah. So. Back to your question, it wasn't violent, it was, you know, like, sort of offered. Right. Then two, you had the expression of divide and rule, you know, under these political party formations. Right. So it is the Uganda People's Congress that led us to independence, but out it, it had an alliance with the kingdom. So that shows you how uh, Buganda Kingdom actually played a very key role. So why didn't the Buganda Kingdom just want to maintain a monarchy? Why did 
Ugandan people want a democracy after Actually, colonies. right now, a few significant figures in Uganda want that kind of monarchy. Yeah, yeah. because they are the dominant kingdom. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. They collaborate with the British. Mm. British are leaving, so mm. that kind of, by default, puts mm. them in position of power. Why would I, they not want to consolidate po- their power as a monarchy? That's true. I think they probably wanted, yeah? They wanted, uh, because they had a, a, a political party, which was called KY called Kabakayeka, that's in the local language. Mm-hmm. Which Meaning it, it only, the king. only the king. Only the king. <laughs> that's very <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. not hiding anything, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it was mainly to advance definitely the kingdom's uh, interests. Uh-huh. But uh, I think they real- the political actors realized that, that it wouldn't really work out well. Right. And you needed, you know, you're talking about Uganda now as a whole. So the national stand would be, maybe we should become Republicans now. Mm. Take up a Republican system. So they involve, they sort of... Like, All the smaller kingdoms. Yeah. So the royals agree and they're like, well, let's make an alliance with another party and then come out, you know. Either way, our interests will still be proper, will still be preserved. Okay. So that's how you have the, the king become the president. Uh, directly? Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, there was an election. Um, no, I think... I don't know. I, no, 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 no. I, there was no election, but for the prime minister, there were elections. Uh, okay. But for the president, it was sort of appointed. Ah, uh-huh, Because it was clear that the king becomes the executive, the ceremonial leader. Okay. So yeah, but later on, after independence and everything, they've already formed government and things are running normal. They, you have a conflict between the prime minister, the the prime minister and then the king. It's basically the monarchy wanting to consolidate power and the prime minister being the democratic elected person. Yeah. Well, it, there are many political sentiments around it, that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so anyway, so what happens is these two start, you know, a conflict starts up. Well, not, not necessarily armed conflict, but mm-hmm. attentions rise. Mm-hmm. So the prime minister now uses his um, executive powers to do away with the uh, President, mm-hmm. who was the Kabaka? Uh, sorry, who was the king? Oh, I was the king. Okay, yeah, mm-hmm. who was the king? Mm-hmm. So, um, he orders. Now that's how Amin comes in. He orders the army commander. The army commander was Amin. Ah, the prime minister orders. Yes. Okay. Orders the army commander who was Amin mm-hmm. to go and attack the palace. Mm. Like the a palace. coup. Yeah, okay. sort of like a coup. So, you know, Amin takes up the orders, but. The king managed to flee. He managed to run into exile, and he was not captured okay. anyway. And then after that, the the prime minister abolished all sorts of abolished kingdoms, abolished mm. monarchs. Oh, the prime minister is uh, Milton Obote. Milton Obote. Just in case somebody wants to oh, check yeah. him up. Okay. <laughs> so he abolishes the monarch. Okay. He abolishes all kingdoms in the country. Okay. And now shifts from being the prime minister to the president. He becomes the executive president now. So, as per the system, the executive powers was with the prime minister. Was Why? With the prime so minister. In his new role, he take yeah. consolidates this executive yeah. powers as well as the yeah. um, ceremonial place of the president. Exactly. It's kind of like consolidating the entire power of the country. Yeah, yeah. Himself. So he does that, and um, of course now the country now starts now bad politics gets into place. Then of course the issue of ethnicity comes in. Uh, was it because the prime minister was from the Bantu community, or no, no, he was from uh, the Nilots. Ah, that is not so. He was actually Bantu. from a minority community. 
Yes, he was but, from the minority community. And um, now that made him definitely unpopular uh-huh. in the central region because, you know, Buganda was the place where you had executive offices. They had played a very yeah. big role in as far as independence was concerned. Yeah. Yeah. And he so, just oh, oh, he just threw out the person who was representing that part of exactly, Buganda. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So he throws him out and therefore becomes unpopular in a way and he now becomes a dictator. Because now oh. he does not enjoy the free will of the people and all that. Mm-hmm. So now he has to, you know, he became he started practicing dictatorial leadership now okay because he did not enjoy the goodwill of the people right now later on 19 um 1970 1969 when he's the president he goes for a conference abroad mm-hmm. i think in singapore mm-hmm. and um while he's there his army commander who was amin overthrows him in a coup d'etat Oh, organizes mm-hmm. a coup d'etat against him. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We are now at Amin finally. No. Amin <laughs> comes in, you know. Uh, yeah. So Amin overthrows him. He comes in. He declares himself the president, and uh, of course people were happy that. Were people were happy. People were happy. Yeah. yeah. Why? People were very happy because they were tired of the Obote leadership. Ah. So people actually welcomed it. Yeah. People yeah. welcomed it. People yeah. were so happy. Danced yeah. on the streets. Ah. You know, mm-hmm. it was yeah. Because when he came in. I'm sorry. Little did they know. Little did they know. Yeah. Because one of the popular things that he did was he promised them that he would bring back the remains of the king. People wanted that. Yeah. Yeah. People, yeah. The king was. People, very, people are very attached to their tribes. Yeah. People ah, are very attached. But wouldn't that just be the Ban- um, Buganda kingdom? Still, yeah. still, because these then, other people have kings yeah. and they are they attached to their culture. Yeah. So if you are um a threat to one culture we see you as a threat to all the cultures mm. yeah okay Carry yeah. On. so he starts up with his army ref- he starts up with those reforms and everybody you know likes him and that but anyway people who are able to you know see further they realize that he was not going to be the right person and mm. like, no we cannot you know agree to have this kind of leader so many people get into excel and start organizing start in other countries in other countries specifically in Tanzania Mm. Yeah. Like organizing us in like military military yeah, uh-huh. to see uh-huh. how they can prepare a comeback. Uh-huh. So Obote also flew from there I think to Zambia and then later to Tanzania uh-huh. and settled in Tanzania and started organizing for his comeback. Okay. Mm-hmm. So now during that period now Obo- um Amin starts changing, you know. He becomes he has no parliament, he has his is strictly military leadership. Okay. You know? orders passed by him are final nobody questions him okay yeah. that this doesn't end well <laughs> yeah so nobody questions him well he was able to have many things done in a way uh-huh. mm-hmm. because nobody questioned him there was no resistance to yeah, no resistance yeah. but he ruled out of fear mm. not love mm. so many people feared him and that's why they did whatever he was Could you please talk about the expulsion of the Indians? Yeah, I'm getting oh, okay. 1971. Yeah. yeah. 1971, yes. So now there had been a plan by Obote mm-hmm. before he was uh, removed to have an economic um restructuring. Restructuring. Right. And he realized that Asians were actually playing a very big part in the Uganda's economy. Could you explain why? Asians being people from India mm-hmm. yeah, who yeah. were brought in by yes, the British yes, yeah. to mm-hmm. do whatever they wanted. Yes. No, whatever they want, like business or trade yeah. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Why were they such a key player in the Ugandan economy? 
I think most of them are industrious in a way. Yes. Oh, did it, did the colonialists kind of prefer Indians oh, yes. over? Oh yes, that's yeah. Okay, just mm. briefly. Mm. Um, during colonialism, um, since the Ugandans were not very educated, although they are still learning to read and write, the Indians already could do that. Mm-hmm. So the British brought them in mm-hmm. as um, like secretaries and okay. helpers. So that's how the Indians started coming in. Right. And then we also had the East African Railway. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a railway to connect Uganda to the to to the seaport. Ah, okay. And they used um, Indian Mombasa? coolies. Yeah, yeah. Coolies are like in 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 the current terms, it's like there's like a derogatory meaning towards it, and there's like a normal meaning, which is like so. I think it's it's not part of my language, but mm-hmm. I know what it means. Coolies are people who help carry your luggage from a train ah, to outside. Interesting. In the contemporary context. Yes, yes. In derogatory term. Which coolies, even in South Africa, they use that term. It's like a manual laborer who uh-huh. is considered not very, how to say, it's not respected. Oh, that, that, that's, that's how I understand that's, it. That's interesting. I had no idea what it meant. Yeah. But in that's history, that's how it's written. Yeah. Ah, is yeah, it? In our history yeah. books, they just tell us Indian coolies. Yeah. Yeah. No idea why. Maybe at that time, that was the terminology mm-hmm. used yes, to describe. But yes, in yes. the modern context, yes. especially since it's not in my language, I can't be very sure. But as far as I understand it, it's a person who carries helps carry your luggage from mm-hmm. a train. And in a colonial context, an Indian manual laborer. Okay. okay. Carry on, please. So um, they came in to construct the, the Ugandan railway. Mm-hmm. And most of them stayed as businessmen. Mm. And um, rightly so, there are some parts of Uganda where most of the businesses are owned by Indians. Okay. So they came as um, builders of the Ugandan Railway. And secondly, they were helping in the administration, in the administrative, in the ad- administration. Okay. And you know, Indians are very, um, can I say, yeah, industrious and business oriented. Yeah. So, the ones in Uganda. The right? ones in Uganda, yeah. yeah. You guys so, took all the good Indians. <laughs> yeah, so, so, they were able to open up very many businesses. Yeah. And um, you could find that most of the businesses were run by Indians ah. in comparison to Ugandans. Because Ugandans yeah. caught up a bit late. So, um, and they didn't have the skills in yes, a way which yes, the Indians yes, had yes. already gotten. Yes. Oh. And key areas like. Uh, for example, sugar factories uh-huh. was was owned by you know kind of like monopolized. Yeah. Yes, monopolized. Up to now. Yeah. Up to now. Yeah. Yes. Wow. So is, is it like traders? Like, most sorry. of them were Indian, uh-huh. so, and we had very key. We have people like Madvan and Meta. Mm-hmm. Who know? are the Mehta? Me- Meta. Meta. They are, they are Indians. Big investors who own a lot in Uganda. So they in Ugandans of Indian origin, or are they? Yeah. Yes, Ugandans of Indian. Ah, origin. okay. Yeah. Yes. So they yeah. came and set up these big. Is sugar, it like? Is this an like ex- sugarcane plantations and industries? But is this like an Uganda-specific phenomenon, or are they like Kenya, Tanzania? Do they think, also I think, have? I think in Kenya you'll you'll also it's find okay. Kenyans who mm-hmm. are of Indian origin, mm. and in in Uganda um, we have um, Sudil Rupareda. He's Ugandan. Mm-hmm. But he's Indian and mm. he's one of the biggest businessmen in mm. Uganda, one of the richest, I th- maybe even the richest yeah. in, in Uganda. Interesting. So we still have very many Indians in business. Now, uh-huh. at that time of Idi Amin, uh-huh. there were even more, way more. And um, Idi Amin didn't really like that, that his own people don't have jobs. Right. And the Indians have taken over the whole thing. Yeah. Right. And please carry yes, on. Yes. So, um, <laughs> after the when from Hilda's explanation so 
Amin did not like that move mm-hmm. and he felt that it needed to be restructured. So he had um, a document already that was structured by, you know, that was put in place by Obate, but Obate had not implemented it. Mm. So he started from that. You know, he came up giving funny reasons. Like? <laughs> that he was sleeping and then he had a dream. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> that sounds like a proper dictator, man. He's like, oh, I went for a jog yeah. and I thought, let's do genocide yeah, yeah. tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. He had, he had a dream, so the dream showed he got a revelation that the Indians are actually not very good for... <laughs> a very good Indian, very good for Uganda. Yeah, very okay. good for Uganda. And his decision was, I'm giving you um, 90 days, right? Yes, 90 days. days. 90 days. To do what? To leave the country. Oh. Yeah. Mm. No, at first it was Asians. He said he was giving, he was expelling Asians first. Patients would include who else other than Indians? The Chinese. We also had a few Chinese. Ah, Chinese yes. then guys from Sri Lanka, Pakistan. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. So he said Asian. So it was general mm. at first. Then later he changed it and he said, now anybody of Indian Indian origin or Indian nationals. So that would mean that vo- those who are who are Indians but born in Uganda, of them Indian too? origin but of Uganda nationality, were exempted. Okay, so if you're born in Uganda, was, you're chill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if your parents are not born in Uganda, yeah. they have to leave. Yeah. In fact, some of them first remained for a time. You know, uh-huh. people like Madvan who owned large sugarcane plantations and the industry. Mm. They first remained. Then later, you know, it was sort of in periods. So it's like, no, anybody Indian or Asian, you're... <laughs> Anyone who loves curry, that's what yeah. yeah. <laughs> And on top of that, they were given specific, you know... You had to leave your your belongings yeah, behind. Your so you are restricted on the number of kilograms they would go out. Jesus. So, so the government is like basically collecting their industries and kind exactly. of... Is it nationalizing it or are they mm-hmm. distributing it to native Ugandans? That's interesting. D- yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. They distributed these things to the natives. Yes. Uh-huh. Now, unknown to him, some of them are industries which needed skilled manpower. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you wanted... To really do away with the Asians, you had first kill your people so that they're able to take over. Right. Mm. He didn't do all that. Okay. He just expelled them. <laughs> so he finds, you know, somebody who has been doing farming, like Brian, ah. and says you're not managing this farm. Sorry, this industry. It's like so what a... used to be an industry turns into a poetry farm, you know? So oh. it became like big, massive economic decline for the country. Yes. It's like... Stopping your economy and saying, it's like kind of like the Chinese Great Revolution. Tomorrow we are going to start yeah. growing like yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, plants in our backyard. Yeah. Yeah. But, it, but yeah. it wasn't well planned and well structured, uh-huh. you know, bad as it was, but it was even, you know, implemented in a very awkward way. And so it became an economic disaster. Was it populist? Did the people actually support this moment? Yeah, the natives did. Mm-hmm. The natives did because some of them claimed that they had been mistreated mm-hmm. by the Indians because mm-hmm. Indians never, you know, gave them good positions in mm-hmm. their companies and mm-hmm. they sort of mistreated them. So they didn't like that. Right. And uh, on top of that, I mean, you're there and you're given free property. Yeah, that's... <laughs> who can say no to that? Yeah. <laughs> Most of them were happy about that. Yeah. So they sort of celebrated it. They celebrated that move. Mm-hmm. They celebrated that move, except for those that were really educated and would really see beyond the, the issue of distribution. Yeah. Those who are able to understand the consequences of that decision. This sounds like very socialist in a way of redistribution of resources from yeah. a bourgeoisie class to the proletariat. Yeah. And was there a socialist inclination behind this move? No, no, no. There was 
it was just devoid just, of any intellectual yeah, just any intellectual mean being idiom <laughs> there's a problem let's solve it no, let me give me the joke yeah, but you problem. see on the other hand it was um, good for the ugandans uh-huh. because imagine if he hadn't done that of course i it was unfair to the indians because this was their uh, it was their business right but for the ugandans in the long term it was good it, it was good ugandans got a chance to actually occupy um key areas in the business world mm. if that hadn't happened we would have a business world which is dominated by indians right yeah so now ugandans have a chance to you know obviously in the beginning it was hard right. but with time they learned how to you know build these businesses but it was unfair and i think even right now there are some indians who came back to claim their property okay yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah. idi amin might have been a terrible person uh-huh but in more ways than one he was a nationalist right he would think about the country right so he would do things to try to put uganda on the map mm. well, of course there are so many negative things but there are still a lot of positive stuff it still reminded us like that he's he considered a nuanced character who did positive for uganda yes, too yes 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 interesting yes, yes. so yeah. yeah yeah it's uh you know he's i think his story is really mixed yeah you have very terrible things that he did and many people mm-hmm. speak against them and in fact when you learn about him you don't look at him as a hero in a way in our schools you look at him as somebody who made a lot of errors mm. but again you have the other side you have things that he did which you know most presidents had not done before or for example, even up to now yeah can't get, do. what's the most positive thing that he did for Uganda in, in the long run he built for example Ugandan missions abroad What is that? A- embassies. Embassies. Ah, embassies. In yeah. yeah, like in New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In They, central areas, yeah. you know, close to I'm told to the UN headquarters. Okay. Yeah. And that's a place where even big countries cannot afford, yeah. you know, cannot have yeah. embassy, but he did that. Mm. So he was he was in a way very patriotic, mm-hmm. only that he was not he, he didn't really have um good schooling. Right. So he didn't know exactly what to do and mm-hmm. he was also not wise enough. To listen to people who knew, knew what to yeah. do. In fact, he was he considered them enemies. So people who are sort of intellectual. Yeah. So if Hilda went there, I'm sure she would not have a place. <laughs> she would have, you know, yeah. Try to. Would get rid of you mm-hmm. because he thought opposition came from intellectuals. Mm-hmm. So he was against the intellectuals. That's such a mm-hmm. um, common trait in dictatorial regimes yes, where yes, the intellectuals yes. are mm-hmm. persecuted yeah, yeah. first. Mm-hmm. So he did some. good things but he also messed up a big deal. Mm, I'm, yeah. I'm, 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 for me it's surprising that he's considered nuanced because the international community just considers him as far as I know mm. I might be wrong considers him to be like a very kind of madmanish dictator sort of figure. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, he did yeah, a lot yeah. of things against um you know international accepted yes, norms. Yes, right. Yes. For example, you know the whole issue of the um the the hostages. Yeah. So could, could you just give an intro on that what happened yeah so i think pallet the pallet um tip was it um, hamas no hamas no 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 the one of yasser arafat what's uh, that group i uh, the palestinian liberation pla oh, pla 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 palestinian liberation army liberation front, front. okay okay <laughs> but yeah, yeah. The, that um, group that organize, organizes the Palestinians uh-huh. against um, Israeli what they consider as Israeli domination of, uh-huh. or settlement they took 
um, Israeli Hos, uh, PLA, right? Yeah, I yeah. think it's PLA, Palestinian Liberation Army. Yeah. So they took up uh, um, Israeli hostages, uh-huh. a plane that was coming from... Um, UK, I believe. Probably, I don't know where it was coming from, but uh-huh. I know that uh, most of the people on the plane were Israelites. Okay. So when they called him and asked him whether they could have a safe landing place in Entebbe, he was more than happy to come. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> international, entire world media is going to come, so mm, yes, yes, yes. So it's like, yeah. yeah, and then he had bad relations with Israel. Mm. Yeah, he didn't like, and he was a Muslim. Oh, okay. So in a way, I think he associated himself with the Palestinian, Palestinian movement. movement. Yeah. And he was also opposed to the Israeli to the to Israel. Okay. Yeah. Funny because at first they were actually friends. Mm. Yeah. But uh, so he gave them safe landing area. So when the hostages came, uh, when the hostages were brought, they were immediately taken to gazetted areas, prisons. Right. But the plane landed well, and it went all over, you know, all over the world, international. Yeah. yeah captured that. I think that put Uganda on the map, like. Yeah, but for the wrong reason. Oh, for the wrong reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he. That that happened, and people started pleading, you know, saying no, you know, release the hostages, and started, you know, putting up condition. He was sort of agreeing with the terrorists. Now they are branded as terrorists. Okay. The yeah, the hijackers. So, what happened is, I think Israel started organizing. Uh, commander forces. Yes. Mm. Um, started organizing to come back and rescue, the the hostages. hostages. Yeah. Um, so they planned their their coming, and they were able to to come to the. I mean, there is a, a very good story about how they organized and how they came and you know took their hostages without him knowing, without I mean knowing about it. Right. So they planned their trip from. I think they did a lot of rehearsals on that. They did a lot of rehearsals, like in terms of training, right. to see how they could rescue their hostages in a very limited time. I don't know whether. 90 minutes or something mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. very limited time okay to come up with an effective you know um, rescue plan okay so yes so they come very well and they they had they had constructed the airport so they knew all the tunnels wow yeah so they had like the map of you it's you know like you got at their fingertips muscle memory now yes so mm-hmm. what they did they come they, they um land in Kenya because uh-huh. they couldn't their plane couldn't land in Entebbe uh-huh. so they land in Kenya from Kenya they organize and come by water oh. like, yeah through Lake Victoria and after that they also made sure that their plane landed without being detected by the radars wow yes so once they reached the airport they were able you know they had already disguised themselves they knew the cars that the president used uh-huh. and used the same cars so that they would not be detected Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, you know, that whole security detail was actually very interesting. Okay. And the person who led the operation is a brother to the current president. Yeah. yeah, Netanyahu. Netanyahu. He, he died, was, actually. Yes, yes. That's mm-hmm. how Netanyahu became such a populist figure in yes. right-wing Israeli politics. Exactly. So Netanyahu led that operation. Mm. I think at that time he was a lieutenant colonel yeah, in the okay. army. So he led that operation. They reached, they were able to get all the hostages, with an exception of one old Boom. lady who was in the hospital mm. you know and they couldn't tell but they were able to pick all of them they killed i'm told the hijackers uh-huh. killed them all this was unnoticed wow mm-hmm. yeah that's a movie right there there probably yeah, is, yeah, a yeah, yeah. <laughs> there is a movie there is a movie yeah, yeah. <laughs> which there one is a movie. 
uh, it's something it? at NTV. Yeah, um, I forgot yeah. the title. But there's a movie. Oh yeah. shit! Yeah. I should yeah. watch so, it. <laughs> <laughs> so what happens is that after when they were able to rescue all the hostages, um, they reach the airport, and well, they realize that one lady was missing. And I think somehow some soldiers were able to detect that way to be actually been invaded. What has been invaded? That they have been invaded. Invaded, okay. Yeah, yeah. So one soldier, I think, tried to fight to shoot back, and uh, that's how they killed uh, Netanyahu. Netanyahu, yeah. Uh-huh. But he didn't die immediately on spot. Uh-huh. He was shot at, and uh, the person who shot him was killed. Uh-huh. Then they got him, put him in the plane, and then he died on the way. To Kenya. To yeah, yeah, yeah back to Israel. Wow. But they were able to rescue and uh, Amin was very furious. Damn right, he should be. Yeah, he was very furious. In fact, that attack made him become hostile towards Kenya. Because mm. it's like, oh, so Kenya, you people Col- accepted. Co- collaborated. You them. collaborated, yes. So I think that made him close borders with Kenya. And uh, just uh, yeah. the movie's name is Seven Days in Entebbe. Yeah. 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 So, 2018. Yeah, so that's how the whole issue. So with all those things, definitely the international community didn't like him. And remember his titles of the British conqueror. So he had those poses of uh, British diplomats yes. Oh, yes, carrying yes. him. Yeah, only before him. Dude, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. He, he makes all of them. Wait, wait, let's search for that. Let's search for yeah. that. Uh, Idi, what was it? Idi Amin? Idi Amin Dada. Dada? Yeah. Dia, Dia? Yeah. Oh, and what else? British um, carrying him? Uh, What's up? What was that uh, photo? Let's um, say with a British diplomat. Maybe you will see. Yeah. You'll see so you something. have that pose where he's being carried yeah. by the white. Or he's made all of them no, male he, before he was, him. He was, this was like... This one? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So what yes. the... <laughs> there's this and then there's this. Dude, so why are they kneeling before him? So here, no. Wh- yeah. What first question? Why are the British diplomats in Uganda, and why? I, I don't understand. No, no. The, the this context. was. I mean, remember there were diplomatic relations between Uganda and uh-huh. Britain. Uh-huh. So I think the British had sort of learned that he was this kind of person who wanted, <laughs> wanted to be glorified. Yeah. And like that. Dude, he's a big, big dude, man. Yeah. British, yeah. British diplomats really had to stretch themselves. The British, you know, the British conqueror. Dude, the, you know this movie, right? That. Uh, the Last King of Scotland. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one movie. That's I think that the first only movie about Uganda that I saw. And mm-hmm. in that, there's this. Uh, he thought he was a British doctor, the uh, James McCoy character, mm-hmm. and he told, "No, I'm from Scotland." And then he's like, "Oh, Scotland!" Mm-hmm. And you're like, "So?" And then he's like. He liked Scotland because he hated the English so much. Yeah. And then he exchanged the jersey, Scotland jersey, for his, uh, I don't know what, what he was wearing. Mm. And I saw that movie. That movie was mm. disturbing, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, I watched it when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. me too. I watched it a long time back. Yeah. Right? So I think he did many things mm. that sort of put him against, that were... In, against, against international community. And he also tried to invade some parts of Tanzania. So he tried to extend Ugandan borders. For mm-hmm. nationalists, because of his nationalism. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And that was a very wrong move because, you know, so he had, you know, the negative press that he received. I think that's where the cannibalism came, claims also come from. The what? The cannibalism. cannibalism. Yeah, but the cannibalism thing, I think, is really exaggerated. Yeah, exaggerated. Yeah. yeah, it was exaggerated. But yeah, but what is right is that he actually made many people were killed. And tortured. Yeah, yeah yes. because you had uh, even the archbishop. 
yeah, yeah. I was I was just uh, looking him up today. The yes. the Archbishop Paul. Mm-hmm. What happened to him? He's, he. he he spoke against the president mm. and um, he spoke against the kidnappings and the killings. Uh-huh. And then um, the president ordered his um, his murder. His murder? Yeah. A murder? Oh, okay. Yeah, he killed him. They uh-huh. say he the died in a car crash. He actually killed him. Yes, he yes. He didn't even yes. order him. Yeah. But the story him. was that he died in a car crash. Uh-huh. That was a state yeah. but then, oh. story. Mm-hmm. But yeah. there are rumors that he actually... Oh yeah. shit! Shoot yeah. him in his mouth. Uh, yeah, in, the in mouth. his mouth. Yeah, and then his body was killed immediately. Sorry, Disposed. was buried yeah. About immediately it. because uh, they didn't want a lot of you know probing. God damn. But yeah, it was the Archbishop um, Jonan Luwumu. No. He's now even we have a, a national day to remember him. Really? Yes. Oh. Yeah. Which happened recently. Yeah. Oh. Was it a month ago? Yes, yes, yes. Very, very interesting. So it became a public holiday now. Yes. Oh. yes Jonan yes, Luwumu yes. Day. Yes. Well, so uh, he ordered, So most of the things that he did were definitely. Not very pleasant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and how how was he, like, how did he lose power? How he lost power is um, his mistake to attack Tanzania mm-hmm. became, you know, one of uh, the worst mistakes that he could have mm-hmm. ever done. Because they, remember the exiles I told you about, the Ugandans who went um, into exile in Tanzania with Obote? Uh-huh, mm-hmm. yeah. So they were able to regroup and organize. Now ah. this time, because he had invaded Tanzania, Tanzania was more than willing to support the to support re- rebels in exactly ah. support them directly, train Damn. them, and also give them equipment. So mm. they did. so it was now like the state against. Wow. Yeah. Mm. So they were able to facilitate them, and in 1979, it was definitely overthrown. Yeah. Wow. And yeah. he died, I think, in the 2000s in yeah. exile. In exile in uh, UAE. Was it? Yes, yes. So he yes. was never Over, like. There were complications, I believe. Yeah, he died a natural death. So he, yeah. he was never persecuted, he was never trialed in. Surprisingly not. No. Yeah. And how does people of Uganda feel about that? That he was never persecuted for the things that he did while yeah. he was in power? Yeah, I mean, people tried, but remember he had received immunity, I think, when he went abroad when mm. he was in UAE of course it would be hard to get him to come and answer for his crimes right mm. but people who served under him people who executed his orders were tried really because like some of his generals were actually taken to court and arrested mm-hmm. mm. yeah so most of his people were prosecuted except him mm. Mm. yes and his children have fond memories of their father yeah they speak well of him yes. <laughs> he was a different man at all Oh God! In front of the state, he was this dictator. There, there yeah. are so many interesting videos of him on the on the internet. Recently, I saw one whereby he was um, swimming with a bunch of kids. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then he there's one in particular who was you know almost you know winning him and then yeah. he went to his side and <laughs> pushed him back. Pushed him back. You know you know there's that movie Aladdin. That dictator. <laughs> So they sort of borrowed yeah. that from oh, really? Jesus Christ, yeah. dude. Aladdin, like, uh, the dictator might have been the most, how do you say, accurate historical recreational yeah. movie ever because yeah. he took so much things from so many different yeah. dictators. Yeah. And yeah. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah, but after him now, after him being overthrown, then you had some bit of instability also. Because when Obote came back, he was also unpopular in a way. So you had... Um, president serving for one term so mm. not one term like one month one month others a few months until you know we had Obote come they organized the elections in 1980 
he warned them. Um, some section opposed the outcomes of the elections, including the incumbent now, who is President Museveni. Uh-huh. So he decides to wage war against government. War seemed like a civil war. Yeah, we called it an armed. It was like an armed yeah. movement. Ah, mm-hmm. yeah. I, 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 and remember what we we're talking about Tanzania, where different leaders were being trained. So he was also a beneficiary of that training. So he was kind mm. of socialist. Yeah, he was, he was. Okay. So he goes and you know five years, five years in uh, the jungles, you know, the bush, fighting against uh, the, the bush, bush. Yeah, the, bush, the, bush yeah. the African bush. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he's able to come captures government and he's been leader since then and he is democratically elected every time or how does it work it seems he, so yeah he <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of strange when someone it seems from, that yeah. he's democratically elected <laughs> yeah, yeah. but he's been here for such a long time right that's yeah, that's the only that. thing i get a little yeah. bit skeptical from when one person's been there 1986 mm. whoa that's like sir alex ferguson became manchester united manager <laughs> in 1986 yeah. so from 1986 well he's organized different elections of course some dispute the outcome so oh. the the way the, the elections are organized like you guys but have one been in, yeah you guys recently had one right yeah, yeah recently had january one. january mm. could you guys can you guys vote from here no no, 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 vote. no, no, no. Oh, you had to go back. No, 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 no. no, no, no. Go back. We have to uh, go back. Me too. That's yeah. the same. Yeah. And there was this character called Bobby Wine. Yes. yes, yes. That's like I don't know, man. That's kind of like a not a politician name, <laughs> isn't it? Because 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 he was, he was a musician. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm saying. But so, right now, um, he now uses Chagulani. But since his stage name is Bobby, Bobby Wine, Wine, and yeah. it's much more easier for people to remember. Yeah, that's that's that. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Chagulani, Bobby Wine. I take Bobby Wine every day. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. <laughs> Imagine he becomes the president. It's yeah. in the United Nations, the president of Uganda, Bobby Wine. Mine. <laughs> <laughs> that would be like you know people would be like okay name, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, so why is so this election is also contested by in, by what? Bobby Wine and claimed that it was not fair, yeah. Free and fair. what do you guys think about that interesting but uh, uh, what I think about that I honestly I think in all Africa to give just a general overview it is it has been very hard in African countries to finish an election and people confirm that it was free and fair. Why, especially if the leader has been in power for a long time, because they believe that he has sort of influenced different institutions mm. and these institutions cannot work independent of him. Right. So in that way, the incumbent has, you know, an upper hand always in winning an election. Right. And that is, you know, that is not different when it comes to the Ugandan case. Right. Yeah. Mm. But, um, you have then you have reports from independent observers who come up and say well it was a free and fair election but the participants in the election come up and dispute it so it's like two way Hmm. i i i think that it's very very possible i don't know i'm not in the uh, in the position to tell Mm -hmm. because I wasn't an overseer of the election but it's very possible that the current president genuinely won the election that is it's, also it's, possible. it's very possible mm. it's also possible that he didn't maybe mm. there was you know some foreplay. play mm. but um we must ac- acknowledge that bobby wine did have an impact 
impact yeah. in terms of um in terms of uh, support base yes yeah. yes yes uh, so I, th- i think amongst all the people who have stood against the president he got the highest percentage in 20 30 years yes yes That's yes quite impressive. so so it's possible that he lost genuinely mm. but since he seemed to have you know if you're together a group of um let's say a thousand people and a group of 990 um 950 can you tell that this is a bigger group mm. if you're just looking at them right. so i guess he might have miscalculated his crowds <laughs> and since he was also a mis- uh, a musician right. some of the people who came to his rallies were more interested in seeing the musician <laughs> never seen him before right. you know and you know he's going to perform maybe sing a song that you like uh. so it's there are so many things to consider yeah, yeah. That's, and, that's and also given gi- given his history as um i mean if you to check out his old pictures some people might say he doesn't look very presidential like but I that's do, not an, yeah. an, an issue mm. if he has the capability he can yeah. still make a very good president mm. but the thing is most of his crowds might have come as a result of interest mm. in the musician other than him that. being a, a president yeah. and he has had a lot of international support yeah so he's um, quite popular he's a good musician yeah 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 mm. and and you know he's being supported by the youth Who, mm. who are masters at social media yeah exactly so, and that can be inflate yeah yeah the and amount of support just one person can you know send a story who has very many followers they post a video i even saw a few some false videos about a woman who was being uh, mishandled by the police and the caption was that she was the wife of bobby wine okay and the person who posted this was actually a ugandan And me being a Ugandan, I know who the wife is. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and everybody on the international scene believed it and said, "Oh my mm. god, they are battering the wife." Mm. And clearly it was somebody completely yeah. different. Mm. But still so, the woman was being battered. So, so so the thing is, the youth know how to play along with social media and the international scene uh, will believe it without yeah. question. Okay. But I think that he had um his intentions were very good and pure. Mm-hmm. Bobby Wine, he got the international attention, but I think he might have lost the election genuinely. Genuinely. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Cuz yeah. I think I agree with her, you know, um observation that indeed chances are high that he actually lost mm. the election genuinely, right? Yeah. Because of many things. One, he's a new player. Yeah. Mm. You know. Yes, he was able to gain a lot of support, but he has not been in the field for a long time. Right? Yeah. So we cannot say that he he in comparison to the incumbent that he's known in all parts of the country. Mm-hmm. That is one. Yeah. That's also yeah. an interesting point. Yeah, so it that sort of puts him away. The other thing was you had the issue of COVID that came yeah. up and it restricted a lot of public gatherings and even in the campaigns they were not, you know, allowed to meet uh, mm. the gathering. So that definitely didn't play in his interest since he was a new contender and he needed to reach out and get to know people and people get to know him. True. And that serves the interest of the person who is already known already and was the incumbent. Inter- so chances are high that he genuinely lost. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. But but no loser can come up and claim that oh um, I I really really <laughs> yeah, yeah. only yeah. the Americans do that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and maybe the other thing in terms of uh, social media and all that. Mhm. It was also, you know, widely believed that um, he had a lot of foreign support. Mm-hmm. Um, you've seen how foreign support is used, especially in most, not these very strong countries, 
where they pick up candidates and support them, mm-hmm. where foreign powers, yeah. specifically we can refer to, maybe countries, some, not necessarily country level, but some big personalities in some of these countries, right. maybe the US, some big lobby groups. Right. So they identify a candidate and they think he will fulfill their interests and they're like, okay, let's back him up, let's give him all the support that he needed, he needs. So in that, most people believe that he enjoyed a lot of foreign support, right? you know, mm-hmm. and that's why he was able to enjoy things such as, you know, international media right. coverage. Mm-hmm. I, I heard him in BBC, so... Yeah. BBC. That's Al-Jazeera, how I got know about it. You know, Al Jazeera. And uh, I was telling people, I think it's something that one needs right, to, to Be- come out and empirically look at it. The time that, the coverage that he received in the shortest time that he came up as a president, I think that it's actually more than the time that incumbent may have had in his entire... Because it's such an interesting case. Yeah, a lot of social media coverage. Yeah, mm-hmm. but he's an interesting yeah. case. He's like a musician mm-hmm. sort of figure. And yeah, yeah. Maybe that's why. Mm. And and um, I wanted to add that um, uh, Bobby Wine, um, he, we, okay, I do not necessarily say that the current president is the best. Mm-hmm. I think he's had his weaknesses and he has stayed in power for so long. And I think we need that change. Mm. Yeah. We need something new, a yeah. fresh pair of, you know, eyes and new, new, new brains. Bobby Wine could be a good candidate, um, but there are other better candidates who right. did not have that exposure that right. he did. Right. Yeah, he yeah. did. So, well, let's hope for the next elections that we shall have yeah. somebody. Brian, you understand? <laughs> 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 yeah, I think I yeah. still have a long way to go. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But you know, yeah. like if you become a musician, let me know. <laughs> I'll share it on Indian social media. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So guys, we are like uh, we are yeah. almost near the end. So I just want you guys to just talk about your version of Indian food, and I, I, I'm going to like Ooh. dispute it really, really passionately. Well, so knows. yeah, so like. Hilda claimed that their version of chapati is better than ours. My question is, how dare you? <laughs> so tell us about Indian food back in um, Uganda. Well, Indian food is very popular in Uganda. I think all over the world people mm. like Indian food because of the curry mm-hmm. and... Um, the masala. Oh, yeah. Oh, mm. yeah. Um, well, the one thing I would say which is a negative with Indian food is the chili. It's very spicy. That's and a good thing. That's and a good and thing. Ugandans are not quite keen on chili and spicy stuff mm-hmm. not really um but the chapatis oh god <laughs> <laughs> i think our chapatis are better than the substantiate woman <laughs> what do you mean it's the better ones i have eaten from india they're mm-hmm. quite plain okay yeah and for us we add onions sometimes uh-huh. we add onions we add a bit of green pepper and carrots we shred carrots mm. yeah so if there's an indian chef listening <laughs> make something like that and prove it wrong yes, yes. the east african chapatis i think are so you guys good. call it chapatis too yeah yes, we call them yes, chapatis yes. we picked a number of dishes from the indian cuisine because uh-huh. you know they have been with us for a very long time okay so we picked up the plov oh, plov pulao <laughs> <But they're> russian <laughs> language we picked up the pulao yeah dude i'm getting hungry dude, you, know, you know how long it's been since i eat an indian food and we have this girl from uganda saying her chapati is better how am i Right <laughs> yeah, so we we picked up the pilau. Mm-hmm. I think it's um the pilau is like the the, the biryani. 
kurkuma uh, yeah. yeah but 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 we don't really add um chili we don't add chili at all okay yeah and it's very popular if you're to have a ugandan function definitely mm-hmm. you must have matoke matoke is bananas uh-huh. bananas rice and guests always want a bit of pilau on their plate oh. and chapati oh god jesus we have somebody here who loves chapati so do, much the way to his heart is through chapati <laughs> <laughs> ladies <laughs> note that down please yeah. yes <laughs> So yeah, just to add, anyway, slightly before I get to that, mm-hmm. I think when you talk about Uganda, you should understand there are some key, like, Uganda is one of the key tourist destinations. Oh, yes. Yeah, oh. it was called the Pearl of Africa. by one oh, of The what? Pearl of Africa. Pearl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ah, okay. The Pearl of Africa. By, I think, Winston Churchill, yes, former yes. British Prime Minister. Yes, yes. Okay. After coming to Uganda, I think he realized that, you know, he was in a very unique place. And mm-hmm. so the place looked really nice. Right. So some of the key tourist destinations... We have parks, uh, mm-hmm. safaris. You mean? Yes, yeah. safaris. Yeah, beautiful. And uh, when it comes, I think we have unique. Uh, we need. We have unique species. Yes, of and birds. Spe- and birds, yeah. yeah. Bats and butterflies and bats like birds. no birds. Birds, birds. birds. okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think we have the highest population of different species of yeah. birds in the world. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. And then chimpanzees, yeah. Yeah, oh, you got the, chimps? The, the the mountain gorillas. Mountain oh, like the big. Yeah, the like big the silverback gorilla. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Uganda. sometimes they migrate have, to Rwanda yeah, but they're ours <laughs> they're ours they have a passport yeah. soon to be East African Federation passport so, so, so when they go to Rwanda and, and, and um, Congo they've gone on holiday they've they gone on holiday <laughs> okay. yeah, then you have these you know mountains like mountain Rensori uh-huh. yeah so you have is there snow there yeah yes yes at the, at the mm-hmm. real mm-hmm. so there's an african country with snow in it yeah. yes jesus yes. Oh, but kilimanjaro also has snow right yeah kilimanjaro yeah, yeah, yes, 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 yes. and um yeah i think those are some of the key tourist destinations plus cultural heritages cultural heritage places like um the royal tombs yeah where the kings are buried yeah. ah. mm-hmm. yes and maybe the other thing you should know is that we have uh people who died for their faith and they are called the Ugandan martyrs. Yeah, for the Catholic faith. For the Catholic faith. Yeah. Well, how were they, uh, oh, how did they die? Oh. So when the missionaries came and passed on the gospel to these people, they completely submitted and that was against the, that was against the king's yeah. wishes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So the king considered them as rebellious people mm-hmm. uh-huh. in his kingdom who had gone against his will. Mm. Right. So he said, he commanded that they should be captured, well, killed. He gave them an option. He told them, denounce the new religion or uh-huh. die. Yeah. I think he didn't really want to kill them because yeah. some of them were his beloved subjects. Oh, okay. So he told them, denounce this new religion mm. or die. Yeah. And they were like, no, we shall die for the faith. Mm. And then he ordered them to be burnt yeah. in a place called Namgong. Yeah. Yes. Oh. So, so then, burnt. yeah, they, that's how they became martyrs in the Catholic faith. Yeah. Yes. Catholic, like... In, yes, in the internationally. World. In ah. fact, um, we have met people from some countries that have Ugandan names as their Christian names. What's an Ugandan but name? For for us, it's um, it's a traditional name. 
For but example. for them, it's their Christian name like Chizito. Chizito was the youngest. Chizito? Chizito. Chizito. Yeah, but then most of them pronounce it as Kizito. Ah, right. that, now, yeah, Kizito. There's a, there's a football like, called Kizito. Yeah. 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 So, so, they you had, for the yeah. so you have those key, and most people who come to Uganda want to go to those places. Yeah. Plus, yeah. everybody else has yeah. their, their own yeah. nation. We wow. have people coming in on 3rd June, the day for the Uganda Matters, from all over the world mm. for pilgrimages. Oh. And they say that they get what they pray for. Yeah. yeah. Should I come? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I need to come. <laughs> consider, you know, coming to Uganda, you, will, you have diversification yes. of different cultures. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now back to Indian food. Oh, yes. Yeah. Indian <laughs> food. I don't know so much about food. I'm mm-hmm. not that much of a great cook and all that, but I enjoy good meals. And I think the best is uh biryani 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 god damn yeah, son god and the chicken tikka masala i'm a very big fan chicken tikka masala and like she had mentioned where to my heart is chapati chapati oh. <laughs> ah defines it all yeah. what is a perfect chapati for you it's perfect chapati how can i even describe <laughs> <laughs> i think for me it, ha- it has to be a bit thin not very thick mm. yeah and um Some people don't want to... You make it out of wheat layers. flour. Yeah. Yes. Right. yeah. Yes. Mm. Uh, and, and it has to have layers. You have layers. Yeah. Do oh. you have that in yours? At least in Do my state, at least how my mom makes it, there's no layers, there's nothing inside. Oh, yeah. It's plain. Well, well, for us, we there's a way... Um, yeah. You the dough you uh-huh. there's a way you roll it with oil and then when you spread it dude you, wait 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 and wait, then wait. It's, it's like layers it wait is that you talking about porota like wait, wait. well it's yeah <laughs> Kerala <laughs> porota it it might be similar because la- if you don't if it has layers it's called porota yeah, it's yeah it looks that. like that so you you're saying well, not, no, 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 no 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 not like that okay let's chop Ugandan chapati there well they're like the East African chapatis they're all the same dude I don't know what an East African chapati is this is like a standard chapati in most Indian no 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 that's something different so you Ugandan Ugandan chapati oh I should also add we now add there's something we call a Rolex Have you Rolex? heard of it? Not no. a Rolex watch, no. Dude, <laughs> yeah. wait, wait, wait. A, this is your chapati? Yeah. yeah. Dude, this looks like... What are you saying? Tamil Nadu Parota. Like, it's like... But what we will do is, I think we should... Uh, yeah, we shall... We'll yeah, give you... Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I'll love to try it. And I know you'll like it. Yeah. <laughs> but, the, but if I say this is better than my own chapati, you guys have to keep that a secret, okay? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Rolex. Um... Okay, let's search um, that. We get, we get the chapati and maybe the Indians will feel like, oh, how can you do that? Oh, chapati. But we get the Rolex and then we mix Whoa. it with eggs. Dude, this is kind of good, actually. Yeah. yeah. We, ha- we call this um, uh, porota roll. There's this movie yeah. called... It's, it's like a shawarma. It's like a shawarma, yeah. yeah. But, but you eggs. put eggs in it and yeah. make it a roll. Yeah, yeah. and then also it's popular. Yeah. It's called Chikomando. They eat, <laughs> <Chikamon>. <laughs> they eat the chapati with beans. Beans? Yeah. Ooh, that's, that, that's quite yes. healthy and yes. delicious. Um, something and else. D- different tradition are, we're talking about Indian, but there are different Ugandan meals. We talked about um, bananas, but it's like matoke. Mm. Let me say Bananas. Yeah. But they're like the green bananas. We eat them when they're still green. Matoke. When, 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 when you, you let them to that's become it. ripe. This? Is it sweet? Or is no, it? no, no. Ah, um, this is matoke. Yeah. yeah. It if looks you, interesting for yeah. me. Mm. If you if if you let the bananas to get green, they don't taste that uh, sweet. Yeah, green. we call it pachakaya. Yeah. We also have something like yeah. that. Yeah. Oh. Dude, this looks like a curry to be honest. Yeah. 
We we also use curry mm-hmm. from, from we got that from. So you have those different traditions. Um, I also wanted to add something about Ugandans. Um, as a people, mm-hmm. Ugandans are very open, well, very warm in uh-huh. terms of hospitable. they welcome. Yeah, hospitable. They welcome anyone. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, it's not a very close society. Uh-huh. That if you're to come. You have to work very hard into their hearts. No, not at all. It's like you just have to come and smile, be nice, polite. Even before you do that, people are very welcoming. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's really so good. So you 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 find that in Uganda we have well we have refugees because we are the most peaceful. Uh-huh. But um, that aside, you find families easily mix. Yeah. If so, it's foreigners, you mean. Yeah, with the yeah. foreigners, mm-hmm. we don't have issues of maybe a foreigner coming in and they don't really feel like they are part of them. Mm-hmm. People will welcome you with open um, open arms and you become part of your family. Wow. Yeah. yeah. In fact, like some of the African countries where you had things like discrimination and apartheid, yeah. that never happened. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So if 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 anybody comes People to Uganda. Easily. They mm. might have, uh, as a tourist, and you are a foreigner, you might have a few people cheat you, let's say, because they, they, they charge you slightly higher. Right. But other than that, you don't have to worry about... Anything else. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Someone finding you on the street and says you're not a national... Or a yes, or yes, or... yes. No, not at all. People will invite you into their homes. Mm. People will help you on, mm. the, on the street. It's not like here in Europe whereby maybe you fall down or something happens to you and people just ignore you and walk past right. you. In most cases in, in, in Uganda, somebody will say, oh my God, look, somebody has fallen. Carry him up. Yeah. I, I don't know, Ugandans are like that. Right. But I guess sometimes life, for some people, life gets a, a little bit too hard and they forget who they are. But that's very, very rare. You, It will be just an individual. Right. Somebody's upbringing. But as a society... They are very hospitable. That's and really nice open. to hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. should, you should visit Uganda. Oh, I would love visit to visit Uganda. <laughs> yeah. Ugandan Tourist Board. <laughs> Let's leave a small, like at Ugandan Tourist Board. <laughs> but I'd love to visit Uganda, man, because definitely. And call us up when you come. Oh, that would be a pleasure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll definitely let you guys know. Mm-hmm. We'll I, take I, you around. Oh, that that be so much fun. Yeah. yeah. I want to meet some gorillas and be like. Show me your passport. <laughs> uh, I guess I guess to the listeners we would say that if you come to Uganda, yeah. reach out and say, Oh, we had you on the podcast. Oh yeah. that is so sweet. <laughs> we had you on the podcast, you are yeah. inviting us to Uganda, yeah, now exactly. show us. Yeah. I guess Brian and I will be happy to. Oh that's yes. that's so nice yeah. of you guys. We'll take you around, we'll take you around. That's yes. so nice of you guys. Yes. And when the listeners do go to Uganda, try the chapati <laughs> and let me know which one's better. <laughs> Just so my Indian ego won't be too much battered from this. But anyway guys so like oh almost two hours ten minutes i okay. surpassed my promise time by a few minutes mm-hmm. i'm so sorry but well that's okay that's but uh hilda yeah. brian it's we been enjoyed a, the time really yeah yes, we did yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's been a pleasure talking to you guys and mm-hmm. um i learned so much about uganda mm-hmm. i still have a lot of Apart from the research, I wanted to ask you guys about like the movie Queen of Walte. Oh, no, Katwe. Yeah, yeah. It, it actually crossed my mind, but then I didn't want to. Interrupt. Yeah, <laughs> but we will talk about that yeah. in a different time. episode in the future, yeah. hopefully. Mm-hmm. So I want, and again, I want to thank you so much for coming here. Mm-hmm. It's been a really, really good podcast. Definitely. And <laughs> how do you say like how do you say go Uganda in any particular language in Uganda? Any like go Uganda. You know, there are some words which you can't directly translate. Oh, okay. Okay, fine. Then go Uganda and uh, Indian Japanese. (laughs) 
But anyway, thank you so much, thank man. You right. Thank you so much, Hilda. Mm-hmm. It's been a pleasure. Mm-hmm. Okay. And with that, we come to the end of episode 10. Mm-hmm.